This episode of the Socks and Sandals podcast is brought to you by Mr. OK's Essentials. Mr. OK's is 100% black owned. Uh, you all have heard, if you haven't heard, the owner, the creator of Mr. OK's Essentials was on the Socks and Sandals podcast episode 101. So check it out. But uh, Mr. OK's provides 100% natural candles, body butter, and soap. Okay? 100% natural ingredients, 100% black owned, and 100% vibes and love poured into every product. All right, now go to the website, www.mrokesessentials.com. In the checkout, enter promo code SOCKS to receive 10% off your next order, okay? Once again, go to the website, get your candles, get your butter, get your soap, get right, and enter promo code SOCKS, S-O-X, and receive 10% off your next order. And also, after you order, get back to me. Let me know how you liked it. Let me know what candle is popping for you. Just tell me about the body butter. I want to hear y'all's experience with the body butter because it's kind of changed my life. It's taken maybe a year or two off my face. Not to say that I was hurting like that, but hey, it got your boy shining out here. You know what I'm saying? So let me know what y'all think. Get back to me. Promo code socks. Show your support for the podcast and for a young black entrepreneur. All right. Grace and peace. I don't think hell exists. I happen to believe in life after death, but I don't think it's got a thing to do with reward and punishment. Religion is always in the control business, uh, and that's something people don't really understand. It's, it's in the guilt-producing control business. And if you have heaven as a place where you're rewarded for your goodness and hell as a place where you're punished for your evil, then you sort of have control of the population. And so they create this fiery place, which has quite literally scared the hell out of a lot of people throughout Christian history. Could it be just me? What up, y'all? Welcome back to the Socks and Sandals podcast. As you heard on the intro, we're talking religion, religious conviction, or lack thereof. I'm joined by my guy, G. Wade. Um, he shared about his experiences overseas, his experiences being a veteran, um, learning about the Bible, the Quran, the Torah, reading all of that and just how that shaped his religious outlook. Also be going into more of my, uh, for lack of a better term, religious awakening or lack there. I don't know if it's awakening or not, but basically my own personal revelation of not being tied to any religious dogma, but just enjoying life and just learning and experiencing everything that life has to offer, um, minus any dogma. So yeah, man, let's get into it. The first 25, 30 minutes of the conversation is, is about sports. So if you're not into sports, not into the Blazers, not into NFL 49ers, really mostly Blazers, but then we get into the 49ers. But, uh, yeah, if you're not into that, go ahead and Fast forward through about 25 and 30 minutes, and then we'll get into the meat of the conversation. All right. Hope you all enjoy it. Hit me up on Twitter if you have any questions or any comments. Socks and Sandals podcast. That's for Twitter and Instagram for the show page. And then for my personal Instagram, Emmanuel Since85. E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L-S-I-N-C-E-8-5. All right. So uh, without further ado, let's get it. But now she wants some time away from me I wanna live my dream 
What up, everybody? I want to welcome you all back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your guy, Emmanuel. I'm back in the kitchen. I'm whipping it up, and I got my guy, G. Man, we go back, man, what, 14, 15 years, something some like years. that? It's, it's, been some, it's been some years, some years, bro. My guy, G. Wade, he's a father. He is a husband. He is an entrepreneur, a, a nurse. No, ER Tech. ER Tech, even better. <laughs> er tech uh and he's a comedian man g say what's up to the people bro what's going on man how's everybody doing out there man great man. to be here on socks and sandals man i've been it's, it's waiting to, to sit down with you for a minute man I love it's, this. it's been a minute bro i've been you know what i mean been waiting for your podcast to come out but in due time in, in due, due time, time. Mm-hmm. it's coming it's coming i have to get everything together word it's all good yeah but even even better than that though you got the comedy thing popping off so before we get into anything tell everybody about your journey into comedy and what that's looking like for you, bro. Um, man, it's a great journey. It was, you know, and honestly, like I'm an ER, ER tech. I was in the military for a while. Um, went to paramedic school, did all that. Um, came back, uh, and I was done with like the medical stuff. Mm. Um, came back and I did security for a while. Mm-hmm. I seen how the ER worked um, at the place I was working, yeah. and I loved it because it was something I didn't see before. I didn't see a lot of like heart attacks and strokes and that kind of thing. So I was mm-hmm. like, man, I need to. I want to get in here and dig in a little more. Yeah. Um, and it was something I love to do, but then it it kind of turned into more of a job than a passion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? And then you have administrators and that kind of stuff, and then, like, you got to do more with less, and your equipment is horrible, and, like, you know what I'm saying? And it kind of turned into, like, a, um, coming here just to come here. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. And then it was, like, kind of a breaking point when, like, I, was, I realized, like, they were hiring people, and they were paying them more than they were paying me. I was mm. training people, mm. and they were paying them more. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. honestly, they were hiring white males coming in and maybe paying them more than me. Wow. And it was like, you know, man, kind of take a step back. Like, this yeah. ain't this ain't what I, like, it ain't what I got. I got into it to help people because yeah. I love helping people. Um, but the place that I'm working turned into a corporation. You, you, they weren't inter- interested in helping people. They were interested in, you know what I'm saying? It's all about that bottom dollar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I'm working for a nonprofit organization, mm. but you're treating, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it turned into a job and I took a step back and I just, you know, kind of evaluated my life mm. and comedy was something I always loved to do. Talking to people, making people laugh, getting into it, you know, yeah. something I always loved to do. Roasting, you know, each other on the block when you're kids, you remember, sure. you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so my buddy took me to open mic and I tried it and I was like, man, I wasn't even going to do nothing. Mm. I was just going to watch. And then, uh, I seen a couple people go up and I'm like, I'm I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. Get up there, and then uh, I did it. I got some laughs, and it was like a rush. Mm. You know what I mean? It was like, man, I knew this was always what I wanted to do. Yeah. And so after that, man, it was just being becoming a student of it. You know mm. what I mean? Just going at it hard, talking to other comedians, getting to know other comedians, other processes, um, going to different classes and workshops, mm-hmm. um, linking up with veteran comedians. Mm-hmm. Um, it's comedians in man Portland that are staples, especially in like black comedy. Uh, Debbie Wooten. Mm-hmm. One of the funniest ladies ever. Mm. I mean, she didn't been on tour with like Jamie Foxx and Bad. Like she didn't, wow. you know, she didn't did her thing. Yeah. And so coming in, I was like, I never got to see her perform. Mm-hmm. I heard about her every time I talked to somebody. They would tell me about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, right, let me reach out to her. So I just hit her on, on Facebook. Just sent her a message. I just wanted to send her flowers. Like, listen, I heard about you a lot. Um, and so, sorry, a little bit of backstory. She has polio. Okay. And so, but she's been doing this comedy thing for 40 years. Wow. 
Polo. And so she's been dealing with a lot of complications now, medical complications. So sure. um, she's not performing as much as she used to. Yeah. But yeah, I hit her. Just wanted to just tell her I heard about you. Heard you're a lovely person, and I want to see you perform. And she was like. Uh, well, I have a show coming up here. Did my last two shows before I have surgery, and I don't know if I'm gonna perform again. Wow! But I'm gonna try to get. I'm gonna try to get back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we end up having. A, I called her. She sent me her number. I called her. We had like three or four conversations, man. Wow. She just gave me game That's about like life, raising kids, and just you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And the whole time, just her personality just came out. You can tell that like, she was built to be a comedian. Yeah. She's just hilarious. Yeah. Um, and so I went to her shows. And that kind of thing, just becoming a student, man. Talking mm-hmm. to guys like Hijinks, who's been doing it for eight years, and now he's putting on, um, you know, different showcases and taking people to Welch's and Tacoma, and you know, what I mean, actually making a name uh, in a, in in the comedy scene in Portland. Yeah. As a black person, it's hard to do. Mm. This the comedy scene in Portland is so like whitewashed, bro. Like everything no that they do. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, Dirty Angel Entertainment, Hijinks, and his wife uh, Courtney, they mm-hmm. are. Dope and you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. it's just been, it's been that kind of that kind of journey, man. Just learning from everybody. So how long has it been since you've been on the scene like that? Uh, I only been like doing it solidly like this for about six months. Um, mm-hmm. I've been going to open mics and stuff like that for a while and just doing them sparingly, trying to figure out like what can I find that's funny. Yeah. Um, and then also learning and learning how to get to the funny parts and a mm-hmm. lot of times when I'm telling stories because I'll over explain a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and so when you over explain in comedy people yeah, start people losing. start feeling like they're learning mm-hmm. rather than they laughing mm-hmm. and so you gotta teach people as well as just get to the funny parts you right. know what I mean right. and so that's what I'm learning right now and just building a set so what's your what's your style or who do you who do you like right now in the game like as far as like the major comics you know oh man like major comics I mean, of course, Dave Chappelle is like one of the funny. I think Dave Chappelle's a genius. I'm not gonna lie. Oh yeah, I look. I, I watch his comedy, man, and it's it's, man, it's trans. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it transcends normal thought sometimes. For I mean, sure. a lot of times. And yeah. then uh, Michael Che, Michael Che is mm. another dude who is. I didn't watch his dumb. whole. Uh, what was it like? Michael Che matters. Michael Che matters. Yeah, oh, I, I don't. Oh. I didn't watch the whole thing. I don't know why you okay. have to watch Michael Che matters. Man. Okay, that is a dope special. I just remember him saying like. He, he said, "We matter. We, that's, right. that's all we're saying. That's all we're saying. Like we didn't say like anything like, wrong. It's just like we, we matter. matter. <laughs> he we just matter. made it so matter of fact. Like, and then after that, he broke down like civil rights mm. and like like we not we not even ask for equal rights. Just be civil. <laughs> like just be civil. You know what I mean? But it, it's such a plain thought. It's so plain. But nobody when people put it like that, it's like man, that is hilarious. And at the same time, it's ironic and it's sad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He all just the, put all the emotions. Just." But to say equal rights, right? Um, to be against equal rights is to say like, like, no, nah, I don't think those. I don't think anybody should be equal to me. I think I should be superior. To me. Right. Like that's literally what you're saying. Yeah. People battle that. That's nuts. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Michael Chase, dope. Okay. Uh, I mean, I like Kevin Hart. He's a funny dude. Yeah. It's different, and it's different type of comedians. You For know sure. what I mean? Like he's more energetic, mm-hmm. and he will tell you a story and make you crack up because you, you know what I'm saying? You be, you can be there, mm-hmm. like when he's telling that story. Um, yeah, those kind of dudes. I mean, also like uh, I know everybody on his head right now, but Louis C.K. I never he, listened to him, so I don't really know. Yeah, is he that? He's that dude. He's that dude. Okay, He's, he is hilarious. Okay. Um, and then it's kind of messed up because even after like all the stuff came out, it was like I can see it. Mm. I can see it because his comedy kind of you know what I mean. It kind of yeah. put like it's, I can see how it you goes can to do the edge, huh? like, yeah. yeah, you can yeah. 
And then, uh, yeah, so a lot of dudes, man. And then I like uh, uh, Tom Segura. Have you ever heard of him? Who? Tom Segura. No. Oh, man, you got to hear him, too. He's dope. Is he dope? He on uh, Netflix? Yep. Okay. He got, like, three three specials. On three, okay. Yeah, two three Check specials. him out. Yeah, man. Um, it's a bunch of people, man. It's, I, I, I'm, I really just love comedy because you yeah. got, like, Aziz and Sorry. For sure. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, Kamel Najiani. Uh, Oh, you going deep now, bro? I'm you telling you, bro. These people are hilarious. For real, okay. hilarious people. Yeah. See, I'm like, I'm a low key student of comedy, but I like, I stopped studying, <laughs> like after college. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, coming up, I was on, of course, Richard Pryor, super tough. Oh, I mean, that's course. a legend. Yeah, that's man. Like, like yeah. Richard Richard Pryor, I, I listened to him a lot. Um, who else was on? Of course, Cat Williams, man. Uh, Bernie, of course, man. Yeah. Uh, who else? Of course, Dave though. Dave was that right. guy. Like right. he, he was like our Jordan, you know, or right. our our LeBron. If, he was if, our if, Richard, Richard, Pryor, our Richard Pryor. Pryor. Yeah, he was our Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor's Jordan. He was our he was our Richard Pryor. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kobe or LeBron esque. Because right. Dave, even on the Def Jam Fifty, mm-hmm. like he stole the show, bro. And he was like far and away, right? Your favorite comedian's favorite comedian. Like he was up there making everybody laugh in a room full of comedians. Like uncontrollably, like nobody can really do nope. nothing until he really get his stuff together. Right. Like that's how powerful Dave is. So to me, because if I'm doing like an all time, like number one, if he died right now, everybody would say he's number one. But oh, he isn't sure. he isn't dead yet. So yeah. right now Richard Pryor is still number one. But I'm putting I'm so I'll say Richard Pryor number one, Dave number two, and my sneaky number three, bro. Just because of his talent level, Jamie Foxx, bro. Yeah. Jamie Foxx, is a, felt, he's an entertainer. He can do everything. He was, right. like, when he was the comedian, like, he was that dude. Right. And he could sing at the same time. Like, yeah. he can make you laugh in so many different ways other than just a joke. He's kind of like, he's kind of like Martin. Like, Martin is a great performance comedian. Right. Not the best on stage, but in his heyday he was. You know what I mean? But it's like, Jamie is just so multifaceted with his talent. He can make you laugh in so many different ways, bro. Yeah, it's unfair. Jamie Foxx is like, he's one of them dudes who like, it's just unfair to like even try to out, and you can't out entertain him. It's like trying to outdance Chris Brown. Mm-hmm. Like you get, nobody is going to be able to do it. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, he can do everything. The dude, he can act, sing, rap, rap, <laughs> stand up comedy. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. How you, there's no way you can, uh, you can match that kind of talent. Yeah, he's dope, bro. Yeah. But like favorite comedians, he's dope comedian. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't put him on the top of my list of comedians. I put him just just because of emotional attachment. Yeah, entertainers. <laughs> he's definitely like for sure far and above. Like I don't think anybody is yeah. that much of an entertainer. Who Who's else? Up? Who else? Do you say can do that? Can do what he does? Nobody. Nobody. I, there's never been anybody who can do all those things. Yeah, I would say. But I would. All right, to take him off. To, just to say, pure comedian though, like uh, stand up. I would still put Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. Um. Dave and I will pick Cat Williams number three. Number three. Cat Williams, his stand up, bro. It's it's he don't even gotta he don't even gotta prepare. Like he right. but he does prepare. Like people don't want to give him that credit. Like his prep is crazy, bro. When he has like those jokes about the city that he's in. Yeah. And he has it like specific to the streets and the counties and whatever whatever is going on in the hood. Like he does such a good job and it comes off 
flawless. But Cat Williams is one of those people, man. Like, if you ever notice, he's one of those people who actually, when he goes to the city, he's actually in the city. I know. Like, That's why his jokes be like, yeah. Right. He actually goes to, like, that spot that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. People just hang That's out what and I'm drink about. it. So his jokes be hitting because he know about your city, like, right. 100%. Like, he not talking like, oh, yeah, look something up on the map. Like, nah. Right. He ain't on that superstar level. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of people, but some people can't go out. It's a, a it's a trade, man. That's Fame is is one thing. Like I love everything about Jay Z's life. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, dope wife, like, right? Billionaire. Yeah, crazy entrepreneur. Everything. The dude can't walk to the store and grab a cup of coffee. He, no. he can't do it. Yeah, I mean, he can pay somebody to do it, so it's a crazy <laughs> trade off. But you can't. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love his life. I don't think I want it. Though. Was you on the scene when Cat was like in Portland for five six months? Did you go to any of those shows? Like I went to one of the shows, but okay. I wasn't on the scene as far as like being in with the comics. Okay, so what was like, well, I didn't go to none of the shows, and I'm yeah. kicking myself I was like, why didn't I go see him, bro? Yeah. But uh, he was just popping up random spots, random bro. spots because yeah. he was here, was stuck. He was like, hey, go to where I might as well, like, you know what I'm saying? What happened? And this, though? What all happened? these comedians want to put me on a showcase. What happened though? Why, why was he stuck in Portland again? Didn't he like into a fight with somebody at uh like uh, the airport or something like that? Like oh, I don't know, at the airport. Yeah. yeah, and then he got he he they. Told him he couldn't leave until his court date. Wow. Yeah. So he was like, "I'm stuck here. He I can't go nowhere. Make no money." So I'm because he go came for like Wildin' Out or something, right? Yeah. Or was it just a regular show? No, they came for Wildin' Out. Wildin' yeah. Out came and did a show. Here. That was like last summer or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he did something. And so when he came back, yeah. they was like, "Bro, you didn't show up to your last court, mm. so you can't go nowhere until." Wow. Yeah. Oh, he had an existing. Or pending I, that's him. why, because when he came back is when he got caught, right? Oh, okay. Because when he I, came back is when he got d- detained. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's so, wild. This nigga just running around <laughs> the U.S. with warrants in different, <laughs> different, different counties, cities, bro. <laughs> Cat Williams, bro. He's real life. Just His life is funny, bro. It's right. But <laughs> that's the thing about comedians. A lot of people don't understand, like... A lot of times you see people on stage, like the people who are really talented, they are like that. That's what I'm saying. That's why I, said I put Cat yeah. there because he's that. His whole life is funny, right? Like you remember that little viral uh, clip when he was roasting that woman at the uh, at the radio station. Oh my! When she God. tried to talk about him, like that, like off the cuff, bro. Cat is just funny, bro. And he never <laughs> broke, like you know what I'm saying. He never laughed at his own jokes that he was no. saying. You know what I mean? No. Like, and so it made it come off like so mean, oh, which made it funnier. Yeah. Because she was actually trying to clap back. Yeah. You can't. Don't do that. Some people you don't, don't do roast that. with. You nah. do not roast with some people. Nah. I know she was a comedian. I know she's probably talented, but like, nah. right. not with Kat, bro. I'll roast with Kat on like Twitter. <laughs> I wouldn't do it in like live. Yeah, not face to face. <laughs> not face to face. <laughs> that nigga will kill you. <laughs> he got, oh, right. Man. I could just hit ignore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to block Cat Williams real quick. Right. That's funny. Man. Bruh, today is Tuesday, May the 14th. Shout out to my pops. Happy birthday, dad. Happy birthday. Man, um, shout out to the Blazers. Game oh, one God. of the Western Conference Finals, bruh, against Golden State. Man. What be looking like, man? What you think? Bro, honestly, now I'm going to break this down from like, you know me. You know everybody, armchair uh, GMs. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is my take on it. If I was the coach of the Blazers. I think matching up against Golden State is like probably one of the best matchups that we have in this this playoffs. I think it's better than it's definitely better than Denver. I thought we were going to lose to Denver. Like I was telling people like, "Yo, we don't match up well." Not to say that we can't beat them. I felt like if we would have had home court advantage, it would have been done in maybe five or six games, but because they had home court, I'm like, "Yo, it's not a good matchup for us without Nurkic." Without Nurkic. So I'm like, I'm I was surprised that we came back because we was down by like, what, 17? Something crazy, yeah. bro. 
You know what I mean? In Game Seven, like to be down that much and still come back, and still like, come back, that's, that's a miracle, bro. But, but yeah, honestly, yeah, but what Golden I would State do, without KD, this the thing. Golden State likes to have that small lineup. Yeah, right? Portland can work with that small lineup because we don't have Nurk as a big man to hold it down. Yeah, even so, though Kanter is doing his thing. Kanter is no Kanter is doing his thing, but we don't have you know what I'm saying. We don't have that big presence that you know what I'm saying that blockout bullet. Because Nurk is can't nobody do anything with Nurk on Golden State. Nobody, nobody. Yeah, and so but I say it turns into a shootout. But you just it, it, it's gonna be defense. It's gonna come up to how can you limit Steph? How can you limit Clay? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? KD's out this first game, which mm-hmm. is I think great because you don't and have to worry about him. Probably the second game too. And probably the second game too. So yeah. you don't have to. Well, it's not great that he's injured, but it, you know what I mean. It's better for Portland. That, it's good for us that he's not playing. Uh, <laughs> it's good yeah, for us. Get well soon. We'll, we'll I, I, yeah. I don't like injuries, but uh, get well in two weeks, bro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is over. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but I think they match up very well. So if you take Aminu and um, if KD do come back, you mm-hmm. put a Minu or uh, Evan Turner on on KD and just mm-hmm. harass him the whole game. Make yeah. sure he don't get no no easy shots. Yeah. Take CJ. I will put CJ on Steph. Mm-hmm. Put uh, Dane uh, on Clay because you know what I mean size difference and try to harass him. Try to stay in their face. But you know Dane want to go after shoot. the guy though. I Dane, know Dane want to go after the guy. Dane wants that guy. If he if he gonna guard Russ, he gonna guard Steph, bro. I know, but. Like you know I me, mean? like I'm gonna do his best for the team because I'll he's be. taller than CJ. It's not that he can't, but he's Who's a little taller. Bit taller. I think Dame is a little taller than CJ, isn't he? Nah, I don't think so. You don't I think, think CJ's so? like a six four? Dame is six three. Look, Dame is listed as six three. I don't think Dame is. You don't six think three. Dame six three? Nah, because I seen Juma. him in a picture next to Juma. Ain't Juma like six three or six four? Juma like six. Yeah, he like six two, like my height. I think Dame is shorter than Juma, bro. No, I promise you, I'll pull it up on Instagram. It's a picture of them, but you know, standing I, right I, next to each other. Bro. I just can look funny. Dame, Dame is like six foot. He's like six foot six one, bro. Okay, Dame is not. He ain't taller than CJ, but he not. He not no six three, bro. Dame is a little dude, and he be dominating, bro. Yeah, it's kind of mm. like it's kind of like uh, AI. They said AI was six foot. AI ain't right. six foot, bro. Like five eleven. AI is like five ten, a solid five ten. <laughs> I seen because it was like a it was like an NBA. Honors awards. It was Chris Paul, um, AI, and Lil Wayne. Chris Paul is a solid six foot. AI was a good two inches short of him, and Lil Wayne was like at AI. Yeah, AI shoulder. <laughs> I'm like, all right, AI ain't that small, but he ain't six foot. You It'd know what I mean? Entertainers, you be thinking they're bigger than life. They'd be, they be like five three. Oh my god! Man, First I, time I seen Cat Williams, I was at uh, in college at TSU. That he was small, bro. Right. He's a solid five three, five two, bro. It's crazy. <laughs> But it's, they be having the biggest personality. Yeah. I got a cousin who's like 5'2". Mm-hmm. No, he's like 5'4". Yeah. But he walk in the room and you like, man, this dude like 6'3". Man. Just his personality. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like DMX. Like you said, your, right. your boy. Like he's probably what, 5'10 or 5'9 or something like that? Yeah, I know. He ain't he's he's not, not a big He's dude. not a big dude. Yeah. Yeah, man. He got a big bark. But I definitely brought it in. I think, oh, one thing. Hmm. Definitely, you got to have that. You got to put Steph, I mean, uh, Seth out there and make him stick uh Oh, Steph Curry. for sure. That's how you're going to get for the sure. most out of him. If oh, you yeah. put him on his, you know what I mean? That's a battle right there. You're going to maximize his potential. To it. Like, he's, he's lit for that game. Right. Bro. I'm pretty sure they got all kind of backdoor bets going on. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, on everything, man. If, if I win, <laughs> you got to take care of my Mother's Day gift this year. <laughs> like, right. You know what I yeah, mean? <laughs> Father's Day come around, you got to buy Pops that Bentley. You know what I mean? <laughs> bro, the wildest thing about this whole playoff run is that we're doing what we're doing without Nurk. Yeah. Like we like he was the guy. Like that pick and roll, that dimension that we have to our offense when we got Nurk on the court is crazy. Like it's not even the same game that we're playing right now. 
So, man, shout out to Canner and, and Rodney Hood that came in and stepped it oh, up, bro. Oh, man. Because, like, without Rodney Hood, we're not winning that, that four-overtime game. That four-overtime game, you see how he came in there? Bro. But at that point, in that four-overtime game, hmm. wouldn't it be better if they just, like, you know what, let's clear the bench. I'm just going to put all fresh legs in there. I mean, like, I got my superstars in there who they're smart on the court, but they're so tired right now. Like, but everybody, can they be effective? But everybody had, everybody was tired. So That's the only dude that wasn't tired was Rodney Hood. Yeah, so if you put all <laughs> fresh legs in there and they team's still tired and they got their starters out there that's still tired, they'd be able to run circles around them, boy. Nah. You not I putting Ma- Myers Leonard. You don't want to put. I'm not putting. My, I'm putting. You, Colin, not, I'm putting Zach Collins in there. <laughs> you're not I, betting the house with Myers Leonard. Myers Leonard is never getting in the game <laughs> if I'm coaching. Evan Turner. Actually, Evan Turner came in Game Seven yeah. and earned his salary, bro. Like that was the first time I was proud of Evan Turner as a Portland Trailblazer. It's like, yo, you you did your thing, bro. Came in there, he was playing good defense, made them free throws. Like he was doing his thing, bro. He had flashes. Mm-hmm. He got flashes of like, oh, that's why Portland paid him. Mm-hmm. But then there's other times you watching the game, you like. Why like, bro, why are you taking the ball? Through? Right. <laughs> why, why are you hitting the salary caps like this? <laughs> man, that's real. But, no, nah, man, I think I think it's a really good matchup without KD. Yeah. Um, I'm just excited to see what Dame is going to do. Because, you know, you like you go on the road, and that's, like, supposed to be, you know, uh, that's, that's the favorite for the home team because, of course, they got all the energy behind them. But Dame got energy behind him in Golden State, in Oakland, because yeah. he's at home. So we know Dame's level, he's going to go up. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he always played good against them, especially. Always. Especially at home. So, like, that's an advantage for Dame. Yeah. He, Oakland, man. That's it, bro. Yeah. Brookfield. So, he put it on for Brookfield when exactly, he got to Oakland. Exactly. So, we already know what he's going to do at home. Like, that's a guarantee. So, with Dame playing at the maximum potential of his game, bruh, and they don't, they don't got – they don't got nobody to stop CJ, bro. Well, oh, man, or maybe Clay, maybe Clay. Iggy or Clay. I don't know, man. Don't the the biggest like defensive weakness that Golden State has is Steph. I don't think you know what I mean only because. Well, yeah. So Dame is gonna cook Steph. He'll cook Steph, but okay. Clay, Clay, Clay can, Clay can, he can play some defense. Man. Yeah, I guess he could. He yeah. could. He's like he's just super fundamental, and that I mean that's mm-hmm. what you need to be if you're a defensive guy. Yeah, he's just super fundamental, and that's why he shoots the way he shoots. Like I mean. Dude, going to, like he can be cold the whole game because yeah. he relies on his fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And that fourth quarter, he can light you up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Never not shoot the whole game. But just think about what Canner's about to do because like Jokic is a real problem. Like he's yeah. a solid seven foot. They got right. Bogut who barely plays. Draymond is gonna be but that five, but the Draymond is going. He gonna put a body. You on know, him. you know what I think is gonna happen. I think Draymond is eventually gonna get a tech and he's gonna get suspended because I think he has four, and you get suspended after your fifth, right? Yep. So he already got four in the playoffs. Mm. So all we need is for Zach Collins to go in there. You can't you know rely. I mean? You can't rely on the tech though, bro. I'm I'm gonna do it. I made money off that last year when, or not last year, the year that LeBron and them won. That's how they can use Myers. I, bet, I, I put I put money on the Cavs because I was like, look, if Draymond misses one game, that's an automatic win for the Cavs. So I already yeah. think they could win three. So Draymond, boom. I was like, I'm putting money on them because Draymond's gonna miss at least one game, and that's what happened, bro. He got a tech. He got kicked out game six or whatever. Yeah. So. Uh, that's I'm, it's hopeful thinking, you know what I mean, like wishful thinking, whatever. Well, I got a new defensive strategy and a job for Myers Leonard. What's that? Myers Leonard needs to come sit with me for <laughs> two days. <laughs> I'm gonna teach him how to cook Draymond. We gonna put him in the game, and he gonna roast Draymond the whole game. So Draymond get attacked. How is this gonna unfold, get, brother? Huh? How is how is that gonna happen, man? What you mean? He gonna <laughs> get in there, put him in the game, put him on Draymond. He just whisper in his ear all the time, just mm. yeah. He gonna, that's what I'm saying. One of those white boys is going to piss him off. 
And he's gonna kick somebody in the nuts. It'd be Myers. Do it. Make Myers do it. Okay, that could be our sacrifice. And then just go ahead and sit him down. That's it. Boom. That's how you're gonna earn. Mm. Man, I don't know how much money did they pay that dude. Ten. Ten mil. What has he, what has he done? Just look confused every time he go out on the court. Right. I got a job miss, for you. Miss a whole bunch of wide open threes. Got a job for you. Kamikaze <laughs> mission. I'm putting you in there. <laughs> you taking out Draymond. Look, we're, <laughs> we're a cup with extra pads. Right. Bro. I don't care what you say to him. Just oh, make sure nobody man. hears it. Because if, <laughs> if you say something too bad, yeah, don't, don't say nothing racist. racist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't get too fly right. with it, bro. Don't like, get too fly. Man, that's funny. But yeah, bro, I'm, I'm excited, man. Like, it's it's still weird to me that we that we made it. But now that we're here, it's like, bro, we can really make some noise. Like, really we can do really it. do this, bro. Yeah, yeah. it's believable. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just being, just Portland in general, just watching the team and being disappointed, you never get your hopes up too high. You can see a team, mm-hmm. they playing dope during the season. You're like, man. But you just always in the back of your mind, you're like, it's, it's the Blazers. Bro, I had zero hopes for the team this year. Like, really? the, my, my only hope was, or my only thoughts of the team is like, we're going to make it to the first round. Um we might make it out the first round. And if we do make it out the first round, we're going to lose in the second round. But then we got Rodney Hood. I was like, ooh, okay. And then when we got Cantor, I was like, wait, bro, we got a bench. Right. <laughs> like, we got starters on the bench. You know, you got Seth, you got Myers, not Myers, you got Seth, you got Zach, you got Cantor, um, you got Hood. Like, we got a real bench, bro. Like, all right. Oh. That, that's when I got excited. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, we could do something. And then when Nurk went down, I thought it was over, but Cantor really stepped it up, man. So... And then Dame and CJ, they just in a prime. Like yeah. this is it, bro. I'm, and I, I love Dame. I love yeah. Dame because he he's a team first. You know what I mean? Type of guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And every time they ask him, like, man, I'm here in Portland. Even if in the back of his mind, I think if he's thinking, you know what, I'm out of here next year. Yeah. He's not gonna say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why would why would you start that controversy to destroy your locker room? Like you know, yeah, what I'm he's, saying? I don't think he's built like that. To just say I'm gonna be here. Yeah. Just say I'm be here. Yeah. And if you do happen to leave, what's the worst? That's you know what I mean? If I'm KD. I'm just like, no, I love Golden State, and I'm going to stay in Golden State. And then next year when the Knicks come knocking. Right, and the Knicks come knocking, I'm like, all right, I'm out uh, in New York. I know I said I love to hear it, I'm going to stay, but As soon as as Knicks get Zion, KD is going, Kyrie is going, like, they about to have a, like, they're going to have a squad next year, bro. The Knicks? The Knicks. They have Zion. They'll find a way to mess it up. They said KD is already trying to go. They was talking about Kyrie going to the Knicks two years ago, so. The Knicks will find a way to mess that up, man. You think so? All the, they do it all the time. All the time. You can't mess it up with Kyrie, Zion, and KD. Who? The, the Knicks? Knicks? They can't do it. The Knicks can mess it up with Jordan, Dame, LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> they will find a way oh, to lose, bro. I'm telling you. The oh, Knicks, yeah. Uh, it's just New York. New York is just not a, not a nice place. It's crazy, bro. Yeah. The fact that they sent Odell up out of there, bro. Bro. Like, does it get... I mean, I know he has a little off the field or emotional, but as far as talent-wise... Outside of Julio Jones, I'm not letting Odell Beckham go anywhere, nowhere. Yeah, and I want I want somebody to play with emotion, especially football. I don't want nobody playing fundamental football like at a wide receiver. Wide receiver, yeah. but quarterback, okay. Yeah, um, you got to calm down. Do that. Quarterback. Yeah, yeah. But like anybody else on that field, I want emotional, pissed off. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, I'm, I deal with the antics. That's fine. It's crazy, but, bro. But I mean, I'm about to go see him this year because, uh, was it? Yeah, he played for the Browns. Yeah, my dad is a Browns fan. Okay, they play in San Francisco, Monday night game, week five. I'm, I'm not going. watching this year again. I'm man. going. Which, oh, 
what you mean? I didn't watch last year either. You didn't I'm watch watching this year. Well, either. last year there was no reason to watch after right. Garoppolo went down. Well, I was telling myself, all right, I'm gonna watch this year. I'm gonna watch this year, and then. The Niners picked up Nick Bosa, and I was like, "Nope, I'm not watching." Man, I was it just, mad, it just bro. pissed me off. I didn't, I didn't find out about those tweets that he put out until after. Yeah, I'm like, bro, we could have picked up Williams, like old boy from Alabama, right? Like, why not? I mean, like he's a talent, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think you bring somebody like that into your locker room, especially nah. when you got somebody like Richard Sherman in your locker room. Exactly, and you got a bunch of people who are Cap supporters who love Cap, who play with Cap in that locker room. That's like, and just the city of San Francisco, like that is the most anti. Trump right wing type city, and you're gonna bring Nick Bosa who's saying stuff like that. Like, I don't want none of that white supremacist energy in our locker room whatsoever. Like, right. There's no room for that, yeah. You know, what and, I mean? then, and he was a coward about it. Like, you know, what I'm saying when he found out he might go to the Niners, he mm-hmm. like, you know, what I'm saying, deleted all the stuff. Like, bro, stand on your square, yeah. If you really feel that way, that's how you feel. Don't be and a you coward can't, about you it. You can't take it back, like, you already right. put that out there. It's already out there, it's all over the internet, yeah. You know, what I'm saying now you look like a coward, mm-hmm. and you, you know, what I'm saying. You but go, hey, people like can change. Like, like your homeboy on Twitter was that, was that your partner, bro? Was, I don't know who that was. Okay, I don't know who it was either. Cause I'm like, bro, how did you even find my tweet? He's probably looking for Bosa or Niners or something right. like that. But uh, like, man, you got to get that dude time to time to live, man. Time to right his wrongs. <laughs> right. I'm like, you know, right? I, like, I was like, all right, you, you, you got know, it, bro. You yeah, got it. <laughs> yeah. I started arguing with him, and then when you told me, like, I don't, I said, yeah, you right. That's why I, <laughs> I said a couple of uh, thumbs up or yeah. things. I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, that's it, bro. Couldn't couldn't go back and forth with that dude, but uh, mm. that's funny. But yeah, man. I mean, even though Nick Bosa's on the roster, bro, he's not going to deter me from supporting my Niners. Man, you see the blanket over there. I do. I mean, I, my my house is Niners out too, for man. Sure. From stuff I bought over the years, it's just for the last two years. Like I'm mean, watching. I used to do fantasy football. Mm-hmm. I ain't did none of the leagues. Um, I'm not going to do any this year. Yeah. And I just you know, and I, I'm not like avoiding like awful. Like if I'm at a bar or something with somebody, sure. if I'm talking this on TV, yeah. Whatever, I'm not like, can you turn that off? Like, I'm not that type of dude. <laughs> but I'm not going to, in my house, I'm not going to turn it off. Word. I feel yeah. it. Yeah, to each his own. I'm not mad at it, bro. Like, I love the sport. I still play the sport. I play semi-pro football, still. Where? Uh, for the Washington Sentinels. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. But no, like, I still love it. Like, I yeah. still love the game. Yeah. But, ah, so it actually hurts me not to be able to watch it. We're going to get you back on the train, bro. Once we... Once we start out like five and zero, oh, then you're gonna be like, bro, I can't miss this. No, man. It's special. Because you know we're going to Super Bowl this year. You know that, right? No, see if that ha- that's gonna be super hard for me, bro. That's, that's gonna be a real sacrifice, bro. You got it's okay. It's you know okay. what I mean? It's okay, bro. It's you like it's like Lent for me in the super in the football season. It's <laughs> like <laughs> I got to give up something for the whole season, and football is it. But if they go to the Super Bowl, man, I'm man. going back. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> now speaking of religion, my brother, we have had some good conversations about. Religion uh, over the past couple months, um, I myself have had many a revelations and have turned the corner from being dogmatically committed or just believing dogmatically in a religious system to come into the realization that I really don't know. I don't have enough information because the more and more I study, the more and more I encounter, there's so many contradictory things that come up against everything that I was raised up in. And uh, I got to be intellectually honest with myself to say, you know what? That doesn't line up. This doesn't line up. When I compare this and that to that and this, it just doesn't, it doesn't equate and it doesn't compute. And so I'm at the point where I'm not dogmatically believing in something as being 100% right and every everybody else is wrong. Right. Because it's just not, it's not even, it just doesn't make sense. Right. Um, 
where are you at? When did you come to your realization of where you're at? Um, give me a little backstory on that, bro. Um, religiously, you know, I grew up normal, typical black household. You know, mm-hmm. I mean? you go to mm-hmm. church on Easter, and whenever mama's like got time on a Sunday, like, ah, oh, right. I think we should go to church. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, things ain't been going right in our lives. Our water <laughs> about to get cut off, so we need to start going to church, kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? That kind Don't of pray stuff. for a miracle, right? And right. so you grow up that way, and then. Uh, you know, I joined the army, and you know that saying, like, it ain't no atheists in foxholes. Mm-hmm. It's a real saying, bro. That's a fact. Like, you know what I'm saying? When you're yeah. actually out there and you don't know if you, you know, when you go outside that wire, if you're going to come back, mm-hmm. you're looking for a reason to, you know what I'm saying? Uh, right. Something yeah. to say you're going to be okay. Right. Um, and so that really sparked a, a big interest in religion. And then uh, mm-hmm. while I was in Iraq, um, just, you know, ordering study material, reading the Bible, ordering study material for the Bible, and then saying, you know what? I'm in Iraq. Like, let me learn something about their culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you're dealing with military police, um, uh, Iraqi uh, police, and then um, Iraqi military, and that kind of thing. And you got interpreters, and you're talking to people. Um, everybody that works on the base, everybody, the people that cook your food are like all Kuwaiti nationals, mm-hmm. Muslim, the people at the barbershop. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, let me learn something about their religion, too. So uh, uh ordered a Quran, mm-hmm. Amazon, um, in English, had it shipped to me. Read through that, and then um, read through, uh, uh, man, it's been a while, though. It's a couple of books um, that they have, so different, um, that just have different sores and different, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, not interpretations. When it comes to me, I remember the name. But, yeah, that, and then you start looking into, like, Judaism, because now I'm, like, fascinated in religion. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then uh, listen to different lectures on religion from different... Um, priests or imams or you know what I'm saying whatever all of, just listening and seeing their interpretation of what it is all of it yeah right yeah. and then um, travel forward in time you know leaving Iraq and then uh, joining the reserves okay. after that and coming back home um, I started to really get into like science mm-hmm. you know what I mean this is mm-hmm. a weird thing so mm-hmm. now I'm like man now I'm into the science and now now I'm looking at different theories of you know what I'm saying evolution and you look at the big bang and you look mm-hmm. at you know some people say some people come from fish some people come from monkey like you know what I'm saying just mm-hmm. reading all this stuff and then mm-hmm. like man this is interesting as well and then I finally came to the conclusion like the reason why it's a battle everybody has a different like view on how this thing was made is because nobody knows mm-hmm. nobody knows nobody for knows. sure how this happened everybody's guessing right and the only difference between religion and science is science is saying this is a theory and I might be wrong, mm-hmm. but this is my best guess. Right. And religion is saying this is steadfast, hard evidence, hard truth. Yeah. You know what I mean? I got all the answers. I got all the answers. Mm-hmm. You have to believe in me. Yeah. And so my thing was to step back and say, you know what? You know, if this thing is what it is, if there is a big somebody in the sky who made us all and, you know what I'm saying, is looking down on us, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. But I I can guarantee just because just me personally, they're not going to judge me for not knowing because they did not give me mm. solid answers. And they can't judge me from not knowing. That's that's what I came to the realization of. It's like, how could this so-called God, um, or the God that is described in these books, eternally punish someone for not knowing? You know what I mean? Because right. like, it was it was certain things that was happening. It was certain things that was happening in the world where it's like, like for instance, did you hear about what happened on the? Uh, um, the North Sentinel Island, Mm-mm. where it was like this dude from America, from wherever, some some white dude. He went to the North Sentinel Island, which is like this small island off the Bay of Bengal near near India, and it's like protected by the Indian government. So it's like this island of uh, 
maybe 100 to 200 people, black African looking people that they're on this small remote island and um, they're protected because there was like they've been existing there for like they're like one of the oldest civilizations okay. and they're untouched right now by anybody. You the know technology, I mean? none of that has got to them. Nothing. They still live in huts. They're naked. Um, they they just fish, you know, off the coast, whatever. And like, but they have this like they're still happy. They, <laughs> bro, they live in life, like, and so, and so, like, they're they're protected. There's like a certain mile barrier around it. Like, you're not supposed to go past that point, or you'll get prosecuted. Okay. You know what I mean? So this dude, he was a Christian. He was a what? What do they call it when you missionary. a missionary? So yeah. he's a missionary. So he just had a heart for God, and he wanted to go give these people Jesus. But those people have been harmed by, you know, white people before. So now, like, for the past 150 years, everybody that makes it on that island dies on that island because they just protect themselves at all costs. They All they have is, like, spears and bows and arrows, and they kill people. Anybody that goes on the island gets killed. So the government's like, all right, just don't go there. They're fine. Don't mess with these people. They're going to kill you. They don't have birth certificates. They don't have nothing. Like, they can't even be prosecuted because they're not. You can't even account for them. So, like, just don't even go. Just stay away. They're not going to come mess with us. Lead them along. Yeah, and, and they're not going nowhere. Like, they're on the island. They're living their life. They don't need your gospel. They don't need your religion. They don't need your your food, your medicine. They don't need medicine. Like, they don't need all this stuff that we <laughs> say that we need. Like, they're good, bro. So, um, so he got killed. And I'm thinking, like, they didn't need Jesus. They didn't need the Bible. They didn't need nothing that that white man had for them. Or regardless of whatever. They didn't need your religion, bro. Yeah. And it dawned on me. I was like, and they were living like naked. You know what I mean? Like they have like, some of them might be covered up a little bit, but for the most part, like they was all naked, like yeah. a little, little rope. And then they was carrying stuff, but that was it. And it's just like the the Adam and Eve, like the garden story where it's like, oh, they realized they were naked and they were ashamed. So they covered themselves. Like that was like, that's the, the foundation of morality. Right. You know, against being naked or something. Yeah. And it's like, and they didn't care. But these people haven't been tainted by any other story or religion or political system or anything. They're just, they've been living on that island. They migrated, seems like they migrated out of Africa. They landed on that island and they've been there. Yeah. And, and they've been living the way that they've been living and they've been existing just fine. So, why do they need religion? Why do they need you? They don't need you. They're not lost. They're just, they're cool. They're good, bro. They're, they're, they're living their life. They're living their life. Yeah. Unharmed, untouched from the rest of society. You yeah. know? So, like, who's wrong? Us or them? It's not them. Yeah. Well, my, someone... my theory in religion, bro, is honestly, it, it started, it was, it was pretty much one of the first governments. You know what I mean? For when sure. you When you have a group of people and you want to keep them in line, mm -hmm. you have to have a set of rules. And before you can establish, like, um rules you have to establish a hierarchy and who's mm -hmm. going to make those rules mm -hmm. you know what i mean and the best way at that point in time to tell people like this is how you should act because nobody knows how this thing started you say this is who the person that created the world mm -hmm. this is how they want you to act mm -hmm. you know and what I, mean? I am the embodiment of the creator right. that's, that's what they did in egypt yeah like i am the embodiment of the life force like i am a sar so like boom because i am the embodiment of the creative life force and you want to have a good life you follow everything that sit, follow anybody that says anything that sits in this seat and they treated that person as a god because that because they told you, yo, they this, told you because I'm I'm God. I'm god, right? I'm the embodiment of God right now. Yeah, <laughs> and that, and that's what it's all man-made, bro. Everything you know, what I mean, yeah. And then people talk about like you know we're we're killing the earth, we're gonna do this, and we're gonna kill earth. We're not gonna kill earth. Well, we are killing the earth. We're not killing earth. We're killing us. Well, 
The Earth, the Earth, yeah, it's gonna take. It might take a hit, but it yeah. will recover. I yeah. guarantee. You. Oh yeah, the Earth can, Earth can regenerate yeah. itself, but like yeah. we are ruining the Earth. We're yeah, we're ruining the Earth for yeah. us. We for we sure. more yeah, we're more concerned to like yeah, I'm not gonna be able to breathe. Yeah, I'm gonna die because oxygen is gonna be so bad that I'm not gonna be able to breathe. Yeah, but Earth is gonna be cool. Yeah, <laughs> this big rock is still gonna be here. Yeah. and you know, you think about that like that is a lot more powerful than saying you know what I mean than the I don't know. It, it just seems kind of. Um, like self-centered, we always we point to everything and we make it we we make it about us, about people. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is about people. Mm-hmm. Everything's not about people. With so many more creatures and so much more stuff on this earth, it's not just about people. We just have the intelligence to realize that we're messing up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. The animals on the earth, they realize we're messing up too, but they can't communicate or do nothing about it. Mm-mm. They can't talk. Right. They can. But they so, got yeah. they got energy. They know how to communicate, and they know when. They know when an earthquake is coming before we do. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, they can protect exactly. themselves before we can, you know, so they got some advantages. But it's, and it's all about the transfer information, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think because we're we're, we're way more informed now than mm-hmm. we than people were mm-hmm. when religion actually, you know, For sure. started. You know, nobody knew anything. Like, it was one point where, like, literally, like, like right now, if I was to fly to New York tonight, right? And I got robbed in the morning and killed. Mm-hmm. You will know about it two minutes afterwards. For sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. If somebody, you know what I mean? Dang, mm-hmm. she just got killed in New York. You mm-hmm. know about it. Mm-hmm. Back, we used to live in a, it should be a time where like, we are right now in North Portland, right? Mm-hmm. I could kill somebody in North Portland, drive out to Gresham, tell them my name is John Lennon, mm-hmm. and just live my whole life, mm-hmm. and nobody would be the wiser. Like, nobody would know because information didn't travel that fast. Right. So... You know what I mean? Nowadays, we, we're so informed and we know about things that's going on in every place on Earth Yeah. right now. Every place on Earth. Yeah. And you can actually see where the divide is. And now you can see the contradictions in every single religion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It just mm-hmm. opens your eyes to that thing. And not just religion, the world in general. Yeah, you can't keep secrets nowadays, bro. You can't. You cannot keep secrets. And since you can't keep secrets, I mean, a lot of people are, are starting to come to the realization that, come on, man, we got to get away from this construct. Yeah. You don't need this to be a good person. Yeah. You just need good morals. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And who's to say what good morals is? Well, as long as you're not doing nothing to harm nobody. And even, man, I'm, I'm like, I, I still read the Bible and I still go to uh, uh, the Bible study that, that you went mm-hmm. to that one time. And because um, there's good things like, like I've been studying quantum physics a lot. Okay. And quantum physics is dope. Like it just kind of. It almost it's like it's like the science that like accepts the spirit realm because there is something that they kind of discovered the spirit realm that that these ancient people already knew about, but now they're just kind of discovering how it works and they give you the mechanics behind it. Yeah, it's like Neil deGrasse Tyson said one time: everybody's looking high, mm-hmm. but nobody's looking small. Right. You know what I mean? The yeah. smaller you get, the more stuff that you can realize, and just you know. A dust particle yeah. has so many components to it. For sure. We just don't even, you know what I mean? Exactly. How do we know how that's affecting our body, how it's affecting energy around us and all that kind of stuff? All you know of it. Mean? Yeah. It's all different. So quantum physics, it, it, it really goes into the energy about everything, you yeah. know, and how pretty much we are just energy, you know? Right. Um, and so, oh, I forgot. What I was, oh, so in the Bible, there are certain passages that, that pop up and it just like, it kind of points to what science is talking about uh, or what science is trying to discover. It already has discovered it, but it just, it just kind of puts it in a bodily, more human type of form. Um, or like when it says like the spirit, yeah, the spirit is basically energy. Yeah. So when people say like, I caught the Holy spirit, 
it's just you just tapped into a, a certain type of energy energy in the room energy in the room like what you call holy spirit and you start whatever like have you seen the uh wild wild country on netflix have you seen that documentary i i started to watch it but i, I didn't you i, I have, didn't finish you it. have to watch it for the fact that it happened in oregon yeah you know what i mean and yeah. have you ever been to young life that yeah that place there in the the young life camp you know and jordan and uh yeah. Ben and yeah that's where it was at oh i didn't know that that was the rajneeshi place so that whole that late all of that bro that's where wild wild country went down with the rajneesh and autumn people in that commune it was there that's where it was at you gotta watch it but but the thing is when you watch that and you see them doing because that was the people in all the red right yes yeah so when you see them doing dynamic meditation so it's like you're jumping up and down you're breathing heavy you're breathing fast you're getting out you just yelling you're screaming you're getting out all your emotions and you do that for like 30 minutes and the music is going boom you dance and then like the music stops and it's like you stop and then you just got this like trance like state, you know what I mean? And it's just like it's a peace and a calm, you yeah. know. But it's like the same thing that we see in church, bro. And now when you watch them do that, it looks crazy. But it probably looks as crazy as when somebody comes into like let's say a Pentecostal church and they're just screaming and praising and jumping and running around the church and just doing all this and just getting all their emotions out. There's like a literal there's a, a transfer of energy and there's a high like a natural bodily high that you yeah. get. They call it in the church, they call it the Holy Spirit. But in the natural form, it's just, if, if you take the the religious part off it, it's just dynamic meditation. Right. You'll get the same effect whether you do it on the Rajneeshi camp right. or if you do it, you know what I mean, in the church house. Not, I gotta, it's the exact same effect, bro. I got a saying, and I tell my sister this all the time because, uh, you know, she goes through problems, but she, she's always stressed out about stuff. Mm. But I tell her all the time, like, the ugly truth and the beautiful lie are one and the same. Mm-hmm. It all depends on how you look at the situation. Mm-hmm. So like you said, like when you're looking at them, like it looks weird. Mm-hmm. It looks weird. Mm-hmm. But if you look going to Pentecostal church, because that's familiar to you, mm-hmm. right? That same thing is happening and it's acceptable. It's great. Yeah, it's you, a call great it holy. you call it holy, right? Yeah, yeah. But them it's weird, but then it's holy. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same, it's thing. The same thing. It's just right now I'm believing the beautiful lie in this Pentecostal church mm-hmm. and I'm looking at that as what the ugly truth is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's oh, yeah. all in the way that you look at it. And most situations are like that. Yeah. And that's what also with comedians, a lot of times we can make fun of the beautiful lie mm-hmm. by expressing the ugly truth. Like Michael Shea was doing. Right, but yeah. just do it in a, in, in a funny way because it's all irony. Mm-hmm. Because we, you have to realize, like, the system that's been in effect, you know what I mean? And it started a long time ago with the first religion. When, when people first started to understand that somebody has to govern, otherwise people will go crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing. Like, we have to govern, otherwise people will go crazy. Mm-hmm. And then that's where all these systems started. That's mm-hmm. why you got governments all over the place, and they all have different practices, and they all do different things. But you have people who govern the masses right right and that's how everything started but the only thing is you have to make them believe in your beautiful lie mm. you have to make them believe in your beautiful lie mm-hmm. and your beautiful lie to somebody else is going to be the ugly truth mm. and as a comedian if you can take that and you can just make it funny and mm-hmm. ironic because mm-hmm. you know there's nothing you can really do about it mm-hmm. you know what i mean and make mm-hmm. people believe that it turns out to be funny yeah. that's why you can tell the same joke in different places and get different reactions because mm. not everybody you know is yeah. brought in so and that another thing you learn in that as well is for every 10 people that like you 
it's going to be two people that hate you. Mm-hmm. One person. You know, but somebody else is going to hate you. Oh, for sure. That's why you can put something out and people are going to be, you're going to have people to say, that's funny. One of the mm-hmm. funniest things I've ever seen. One of the funniest mm-hmm. things I've ever seen. And then you're going to have the other person to be like, I hope his kids die. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be that. That hate is always it's there. It's always bro. there, bro. Always. Uh, and uh, it's nuts. You can't get away from it, though. Yeah. It's just like you said, what you was telling me before uh, with D.L. Hughley, where he put out you know, the beautiful nurse, like the beautiful angels or whatever that right. they are. And somebody's like, well, why can't they be a doctor? Why right. can't they be a lawyer? Why, put they, up this picture why they gotta say, be a nurse? Black people, continue to go to the medical field. It's beautiful. <laughs> and you say, a nurse is, an, a black nurse is an angel. Mm-hmm. And people have a problem with that statement. You said nothing negative. <laughs> but they want to say, why can't people be a doctor? What you mean? What? I didn't say they couldn't. Right. That's an angel too. But right. I'm pointing out specifically nurses right now. That's just what I felt like doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just... It's people, man. People are finicky. They are. That's why it's weird with these movements to like, you attach and you understand the problem, Mm -hmm. but also people are involved Mm -hmm. and people will corrupt that problem. You know what I'm saying? They will take that problem and they will, some people will use it um, to gain an advantage Mm -hmm. and that's what messes up a lot of movements. You know what I mean? And you know, from time and time again, I mean, you Mm -hmm. think about the civil rights movement, Mm -hmm. you have people in the civil rights movement who... You know, they believed in it when they got in it, right? Mm-hmm. And then they seen like it was economical growth mm-hmm. or they could benefit off of it. Oh, yeah. If they just compromised. For sure. And pretty soon that compromise turns into a total, you know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. turning my back on everything I believed in because right. I'm getting paid now. Because I'm about to get that back. Right. And that's so just. I'm, so I'm going to be the gatekeeper. And that's. And I'm going to get the bag up front. Boom. And I'm going to quote unquote disperse it later but I'm gonna just keep it to myself right and I'm gonna keep y'all thinking that <laughs> that is coming oh it's coming y'all it's coming right but it already came in, in your bank account and that's it it's you done we're done resources. yeah man it's cold and that's I mean hold on. it's weird man I got a lot of weird theories on life though mm. because when you think about like um, in general you know how they say like robots are gonna take over one day mm. you know what I'm saying like Terminator and that kind of thing that's a real like primitive way of thinking Mm. Because I don't think robots will take over that way. Like, we created an AI, right? Who could, like, serve us, make breakfast and stuff for us. Yeah. Fine. That part, that part That is not going to pick up a gun and start shooting people. Well, you know what I mean? Well, we don't it know. It could. We don't but know. If it's programmed to do so. If computers are going to take over, mm-hmm. they're going to do it a lot smarter than that. They're not us. We are violent. A computer isn't violent. But we can what does make a computer it. It's, it's going to be whatever we make it. Now, a computer collects information. Right. So you got all these AI things. You everything you type in Google, mm-hmm. everything you every search option that you type in YouTube, Facebook, mm-hmm. whatever it is, data is being collected, right? Mm-hmm. On how to market you. How do you? How can I get you to buy something? Or how can I get you to do something or go and do something? Right. For sure. So they're collecting all this information. What do you think they're using it for? They're using it to market towards you. Mm-hmm. So computers already taken over because. They have all this information on how to make you do exactly what they want to do. That's a fact. So it's way smarter than picking up guns and killing you. All they got to do is, it's pretty much, it's like a mind control thing. They just make you, they just make you go in the direction they want you to go. But, it's like, but, but like you said, it's already happening and. No, it's happened. I mean, it's, it's, it's happening. It's already happened. Uh, Amazon is all pretty much majority of their workforce is robots. You know what right. I mean? So, uh, and Amazon's taking over the world, to be honest. <laughs> like, right. they're going to take over the world. Or they are taking over the world right now. So, um, but the the AI is just a reflection of us. Like they're yeah. only what we put into them. So we are violent. We are right. hateful. Well, the powers right. that be. I would say most people are actually really generally good, but the powers that be, those that want to take over and those that control the world, they're violent and they're they're just 
sick individuals, bro. Right. So they, if it's to their advantage, instead of putting soldiers on the ground, they put a robots on the ground. Instead of putting real people, they put robots. They yeah. can train a robot to get. They can program a robot to do whatever they want. They already have drone strikes. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like it's not like it can't be done. It's already happened. It's, it's been happening. So if it's not a drone strike, it could be an actual bot or like these self-driving cars can turn into, you know what I mean? Like right. they can do whatever they want, bro. But I want one though. I do want a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I do want that's a Tesla thing. though. <laughs> but that's why we so far into it. We so far deep now. It's no turning back. If every, if we launched oh, a campaign yeah, for over. everybody, to, you know, you'll have Elon to get everybody Musk, to Elon get Musk told us it's over, bro. Like we're already going to be serving. We're going to be working for robots. Like, so now it's not about, it's not about being fearful of robots. It's about just enjoying life, bro. That's what it's like about. Life is a gift, bro. You know what I mean? Like having a body, right, is a gift. Being able to go out and just talk to people and do stuff and just you know absorbing what I mean? the sun, bro. Like before it started raining today, these last two weeks, amazing, felt like heaven on earth, man. Like I was just outside and oh, like yo, this, I'm lucky, man. Right? Like we are lucky, <laughs> bro. I had that. One of the dopest like conversations I had with somebody, mm-hmm. only because the sun was out, mm-hmm. and uh, um, I had a meeting at a, a coffee shop. It was like one of those, just, you know, pop up, real trendy coffee shops or yeah. whatever. So we're sitting outside and we're talking about this um, this video stuff that we're gonna shoot. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking, and then about an hour goes past, and then uh, my boy Kyle um, and Jared they leave, and I'm like, ah, oh, I've been sitting here for an hour. Let me go get a coffee. You know what I mean? I don't want to just use up a spot. Mm-hmm. So I go in and I'm like, hey. Uh, the cold brew. So he gives me a cold. Well, I'm waiting for him to say to go, mm-hmm. but he said, is that for here? And so <laughs> I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then I didn't want to be like, no, bro, made that to go. Yeah. So I was just like, I'll take it from here. And yeah. I just went and sat back outside to drink. And this lady walked up to me um, and we just start chatting, mm-hmm. just start talking about life. And we was having a conversation kind of like we having right now mm-hmm. with just a random person because the sun was out and I was sitting outside drinking a cold brew Word. and had one of the best experiences ever with just another human that I would never have talked to, you know, otherwise, you know, you look at me, I'm a, you know, six, two, 300 pound black dude sitting outside of a coffee shop with a do rag on the glasses, Mm -hmm. drinking a coffee. Mm -hmm. And this lady is this five foot one white lady Mm -hmm. who just happened to be sitting right next to me. I'm scared, bro. I'm scared. Like what you, (laughs) hold on, what you you think I am? What you trying to plot on me? I'm I'm, going to be honest, bro. I, I don't hate nobody. That's probably a bad prefacing. They sound, you know, something bad gonna come. Right. <laughs> I don't hate nobody. I don't hate nobody. Exactly but who you hate? <laughs> but I am scared of white women, bro. Yeah. Like as time goes on, and I see their power. Yeah. As far as like their word is could be a, a descent like for me. Like I'm reading all these books about like what oh. happened in like you know pre sixties, just civil pre civil rights, slavery, and all that. Yo, white women are scary, bro. bro they tough. I like because they they're unassuming. In their look and even in their speech, like they're not intimidating or anything, but like, man, their word is powerful. And they have the power of getting the benefit of the doubt in every, every situation. time. A black man versus a white man. I'll tell you right. this story, bro. I was doing Uber one night. It was only like twelve o'clock. Somebody brought this girl to my car. White girl to my car. Stupid, sloppy drunk. Like helping her walk her out the bar. Like, hey, um, I'm gonna send her home. She's falling asleep at the bar. Blah blah blah. I'm like, all right. But I was like, this says Justin. I know I, I I ordered the ride, but, you know, just I got her address in here. Blah, blah, blah. She gets in the car. 
And she's just like, oh, my God, my, my friends are so messed up. Have your friends ever sent you home? I was like, nah. She's like, well, I mean, I'm drunk, but I'm not that drunk. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you I are. said, yeah, you're drunk. You got to ask that question. She's like, oh, my God, I really don't want to go home. Like, this is so messed up. I just, I don't want to leave. And there's some Drake. And I was like, oh, my God, that's Drake. Oh, can you turn it? I love this song. She started singing to Drake. So I'm just sitting there. I ain't even drove nowhere yet. She's like, I just do not want to go home. Like, I can't believe they're sending me home. I was like, so you don't want to go home, do you? She's like, no. Like, it's so messed up. She, I just let her talk for another five minutes. I was like, you know what? I'm taking you back in the bar. Because I'm thinking in my head, bro, drunk white woman gets put in an Uber. She didn't order the ride. Some black man drops her off. I, if something happens to her, you the last person. It's I, my, I don't care if a, a a white or an Asian man rape her. It's the black man's fault. Right. He took me over here. And he and he said um, her memory could be as hazy as ever. When it comes to me, it could be. It don't matter. Right. If 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 I'm in the equation, I'm getting. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm getting the brunt of that. So I'm like, nah, bro. So I walked her back in the bar, took her to her partner. I was like, hey, man. She said she didn't want to go home. If she ordered the ride, if it was her name, then I would take her. But look, man, I don't want to get. I don't, I don't know what's going on. She only seemed like she can walk by herself, you know what I mean, to her house when I drop her off. So I'm like, look, yeah, let her order the ride, and then somebody can take her to where she requests. But I'm not going to do it just because somebody else do it because I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Because right. I ain't want to get me too, bro. Right. Like, I'm done. Yeah, it's Black over. man versus white woman, like 20-year-old white? No, 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 I'm nope. done, bro. It's a wrap. So I'm, I'm well, I'm well aware of that, and so I'm just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not messing with that whatsoever. I don't need the money that bad. You know a young mean? white woman too, man. That's, that's dangerous. You don't want to, yeah. Come on, bro. Bro, like nah. when you're in the court of law, every nobody ever wants harm to come to like a pretty white woman. Yeah, they think about. It. I mean, mm -hmm. just in society, they have been put on this crazy pedestal. Mm -hmm. Like every, you know, what I'm saying, and throughout history, like some of the most beautiful people, you know, what I'm saying, that people love the most have been yeah. white women. Yeah. Even like you know, think about like Mona Lisa, that picture right there. She was ugly. As, she was. Ugly. She was not. She's she not was pretty not a pretty person. No, but. This picture right here is just like mm. the epitome of like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a sad epitome, right. bro. And so you, if you facing that in yeah. a court of you looking exactly. across the bed, you gonna lose, bro. Like, yo, I do not. I don't even. I mean, <laughs> nobody wants that. To, nobody wants her to lose. Nah. You're definitely gonna lose in that situation. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, nah, I don't want no parts of that. I don't even want to be suspected in anything. Mm -hmm. No, don't put my name in nothing. Right. I don't want to be around that. But so. it's messed up that that is the the culture that society has created. For us, I mean, that you have to be scared of people, like not scared of people as far as like they're gonna harm you, but, but you gotta, scared of you people gotta of think like a lot I don't about even the want to be in a situation with you. I have to oh. think about how I can get in trouble for not doing anything in this oh, situation. Oh, for sure. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a sad reality, bro. But like it's something we got to deal with. So um I might have played it way too safe, but I'd rather be way too safe. Than, no, you didn't play it too safe. You yeah. played that right. <laughs> You played that right for I'm real. not playing around, bro. Mm -mm. But I'm glad that you had a very productive, constructive experience with the white woman. Right, yeah. Day. No, she was dope. <laughs> and we was outside of a coffee shop. Yeah. So, like, at any moment, I could have just left. And it was witnesses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact, bro. It's too sunny to say, oh, right. man, it was dark. I, I, I think he... No. It was a whole bunch of other white ladies out yeah. there that would have been like, no, he didn't do anything. He literally just got in his car and left. He drives a minivan. Come on. <laughs> That's a fact. That's funny, bro. Um, but I also want to know about when you were saying you read the Bible, the Quran, and what was the other book? Uh, the Torah. The Torah. Well, hard to read the Torah because it's uh, a lot of it 
what from what I got mm-hmm. wasn't translated or wasn't translatable. Oh, okay. So I wasn't able to dive into it the way I wanted to. Um, it is tough. But when I looked at Judaism and I looked at you know the Torah and the mm-hmm. Quran, it was a lot of it was matching up. So what I wanted to ask was like, was there between those three, was there a, a, a distinguishable difference between like the personality of God, or was it pretty much the same thing in those the foundation like the Old Testament, the Quran, and, and the Torah? Yes. Kind of yes and no. Like mm-hmm. um, from my 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 perspective, like mm-hmm. I said, like everybody sees things different. For sure. Um, from my perspective, when I was reading just um, like the like the, the Old difference in the Old Testament, difference in God, Quran. it was the same um, mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. I definitely think God was a lot harsher. Mm-hmm. I think in uh, when I was reading like Islamic texts, mm-hmm. a lot harsher, a lot more strict, a lot more like stern. I think uh, when reading the Bible because of all the different ways it's been chopped up and all the different ways it's been kind of, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. manipulated. Um, they made God a little more personable. You know what I mean? And they exactly. had to do it because yeah. that's how you reach more people. Right. If you come and say, this dude's a tyrant. Yeah. Dude's a tyrant. People are like, I'm not fooling with that. But if you come and say, no, he's loving. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Like, look at all the stuff that, you know, he, he doesn't want you to do these things, but he's still cool, right? Mm-hmm. People flock to that. Man. So you notice that, that contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, they were saying, pretty much the same thing pretty much yeah. yeah see the thing about it like what i'm now that i've stepped back and just taking that confirmation bias off like just always reading books or just looking to find something that i already agree with yeah. so it's just going to con- continue to push me in that direction is like looking at how they how the books certain books especially these the abrahamic faiths mm-hmm. um make god very much like a man what you said you know yeah. it's it's relatable yeah but then to think about it like we just made God like us. Right. Like these people, whoever wrote it, whoever came up with the concept, they just made God like like them. That's why they put that, that God made people in his own image. That's why that's put there. It's for you to say, well, he made me just like him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I can relate to him. Yeah. But if you were a God and you were creating everything on earth, you wouldn't be nothing like man. Like You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Think about it. You wouldn't. If God created us in his own image, then that means God is either one hell of an asshole mm. or this is just like a funny experience that he just he just left and said, do whatever you want to with it. Yeah. Because if he created us like him, I can see all the heartache. I can see everything that goes and it kills me a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Thinking mm-hmm. about it. And then, you know, I go and I help where I can. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like um, uh, at the job I work at now. Um, we've been fighting to get a union, mm-hmm. right? And so fighting to get a union, I want to leave. But I, I, the only reason why I haven't left yet, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave eventually, mm-hmm. but the reason why I haven't left is because we don't have everything in place. We don't have a bargaining team set up. We don't have all the, you know what I mean? This is me saying, I, I only reason why I want to be here is because I want to help people who don't have that voice, people who don't step out and say, you know, or people who are too scared. Because yeah. we work a lot. I work a lot of people that are involved in this are people from other countries. Mm. Because we also have like it's all the hospital staff. Period. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, housekeepers that's involved in this union. We have mm-hmm. dietary workers that's involved in this union. We have you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people, a lot of those people, some are dreamers. Some people are scared. Like, man, if I step out, I'm gonna lose my job. Mm-hmm. And that's how the company is making them feel. Mm-hmm. 
and people are trying to you know get a union but they're scared to even solicit their friends to say come on sign this petition come on get on this bargaining team because if they step out and they get fired they might get deported this is the only way that they can support their family like you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah. it's so much at stake for them yeah and so for somebody like me like, I don't care. They can fire me tomorrow because I don't really want to be there anyway. Mm-hmm. But somebody, I don't care to step out. <laughs> I'll do it right in your face. <laughs> Administration can come out. I will continue to talk about, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. you and all that. You going to fire me? Okay. Like, I've been waiting to leave. You know what I mean? Based on what, though? You know what I mean? Because right. then you can, you can go at them. I can go at them. Right. Yeah. So now I'm not scared to step out. But, so, but that's also when it comes to, like, I have that privilege to. For sure. To not be afraid. Right. I have to use that to help these people who are, you know what I mean, not afraid. And that's when it comes to, you know, people talk about white privilege and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As uh, when I when I talk to like white males, mm-hmm. you do have a, you have a privilege of having a voice that people will listen to. Mm-hmm. You have a privilege of not being afraid. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's privilege that you have. Mm-hmm. You should use that to help other people. If you're not using that to help other people, then you're just being just as selfish as the people who are oppressing them, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's just a weird, the world is a weird place, man. Bro, I gotta, the world is strange. I don't yeah. think, I don't think uh, we as people, just because of course we're here and we've become accustomed to how things are going. I don't think people understand how strange and how un like unnatural and just like abnormal the world is right now, bro. Like living in a city. It shouldn't be this many people living close together. Right. You think about that, bro. Like, everybody is packed in one space in Portland, but there's so much uninhabited land in Oregon. Why is everybody in one space on top of each other, in traffic, in on the bus, on the map? Like, everybody right. living on top of each other. Because everybody it's wants to It's land live. everywhere, bro. Yeah. Like, nobody should be that close to another person that they don't want to be around. Like, back in the day, like, in Africa or wherever, bro, like, people had their own land. They had they. you got your tribe, you got your family, you got your people. But, like, y'all got all this land that's yours. Right. And you take care of that land and you have your own space. But don't, like, I got this little sliver. And this is, like, an accomplishment. Right. Like, this shouldn't be, this is nothing, bro. This little, I mean, I got a nice little yard. It's cool, whatever. But come on, bro. Like, this shouldn't be a good, like, this should just be like, all right, whatever. This, this shouldn't be the American dream. This should not be the dream. Right. Like, the fact that we have to fight and claw and scratch for anything, that is not normal as far as humanity is concerned. Right. But, like, we've accepted it, and we're just rolling with it. You know what I mean? It's just like, eventually, somebody's going to have to be like the Rajneeshis, bro, and just right. move out to a remote part and just build your own stuff because if you waiting for the government and these corporations to do you a favor like keep waiting bro yeah it's the system bro keep waiting people are inherently like people are drawn to communities like you know that's what i'm saying fact. like that's a fact ever since civilization started people have been building communities you mm-hmm. know what i mean i want to be around these people we're going to use these people we're going to help each other build mm-hmm. you know what i mean and in the system the american system like I'm not saying like, you know what I'm saying? I'm against capitalism. I'm not saying I'm for socialism. Like I don't, it, it has to be like a fair balance mm-hmm. in between, but the way that America does capitalism, you know what I mean? It's people want to be in a community and they want to be drawn together, but the government needs to make money and they need to find a way to, you know what I'm saying? To mm-hmm. extract that out of people. People mm-hmm. don't, people want to work where they live. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be able to get to my job in 10, 10 minutes. I don't want to have mm-hmm. to drive two hours. To go to where I make money. But think about that. You know what I mean? Why are we even working the way that we're working? 
Why are we? Why? That's why, that's that, you know that what is mean? what the system needs us to why do. Why do we have? Why is paper money just got invented like right. five hundred years ago? Like why? Are, like our whole society is built on just some fake. That's you know why what I mean? it's so freeing it's to been get out of that construct a oh, bit and God. to say, I'm not working for a corporation. I'm going to work for myself. Like remember when people just lived off the land? Well, I don't rem- not remember, but like that was a normal thing. Like right. Life with just living off the land, bro. You raise your animals, you plant your vineyard, you, like you do what you need to do, right. you live. Right. But you grow corn, like, this dude over here grows wheat. Bro, let you me go trade you some of that corn for this wheat, man. It's all good. Life was simple. But now like we've been sold and socialized into like, yo, you gotta work, you gotta get a degree, you gotta take this debt, you gotta work, you gotta make X amount of dollars just so that you can have a right. little something to call your own. But other than that, if you don't, if you're not making that much money, and you don't got, you don't got that saved, and you can't buy this, then you gonna be always on somebody else's. Always. You know what I mean? Oh, somebody, somebody else's clock. Yeah. It's crazy, bro. It's, it's crazy. It's nuts, man. That's what. That's what society has. I mean, that's what the that's what the system has done. Yeah, man. And, and it's, it's just, like that. Oh, and would, would you rather be like this, or would you rather have, you know, a system like, uh, in. Like say northern Iraq, right? Mm-hmm. They got a bunch. They when ISIS came in, and I don't even know if it was ISIS. It could have been the American government. I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But when when somebody came in, they took everybody who was non-Muslim and they put them in internment camps. Mm-hmm. Put them in internment camps. Now, uh, the threat is gone, but all these people's houses were burned down. Mm-hmm. Houses were burned down. Like whole communities were burned to the ground. Mosques or uh, churches, whatever it was, burned mm-hmm. down. Because if he wasn't Muslim, you weren't allowed to be in the city no more. Mm-hmm. Right. And so now that they're gone, these people have nowhere to go. They're stuck in this internment camp. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Where, where do you go from there? How do you take these people and place them back into their community? Dang. You know what I mean? That's now cold. think about that kind of problem compared to the problems that we have here. That's a fact. That's a fact, bro. Man. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. something. That's not even. That don't even cross my mind, bro. Like, I never even heard of that. Yeah, it, it's. It's. Government systems all over the world, man, is corrupt. Yeah. When you have a system that big, mm-hmm. you can't help but people doing side deals, people coming in and people using it to profit. That's just human human nature. Humans are inherently, I think, just very selfish, self centered people. And everything you get into, mm. that ha- I mean, you have you you do definitely. I would, I would have... say the root of that is white supremacy, though, because before. White supremacy and capitalism. I don't think people was getting down to that extent, where it's just like everything is about domination. You know what I mean? Well, yes and no, because like, you have like before cap. Well, because you think about who was the richest, who was the richest person ever on earth? Mansa Musa. All right, so Mansa Musa, rich person. He had a system too. He had slaves. He had a system where he had people who were, you know what I'm saying? Was he? But when you say slaves, it might be it's different. not the same as... It's, no, it's not the same, but it were people who were like... But slaves, but we're slaves too. Like, if you work for somebody, you're a slave. You're a slave, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. Yeah, but you still but, have that... So you, so you, you have, have a system. I'm not saying that like, it was wrong, Yeah. but you still have that system of somebody who was on top, who has all the money, mm-hmm. and like, you have to work in order to eat. But, but, living, but that was... There. But some of that stuff, a lot of that was... More of it was like people who just couldn't take care of themselves. But right. like if you had a family system, you know what I mean. And like, like I said, because like there was, um, there was Timbuktu, like the main trading center yeah. for Mansa Musa in, in that country. But it was just like there was other, like kingdoms, like right. many kingdoms. That, that, yeah. And but they weren't dominated by Mansa Musa. They weren't dominated by 
was it Molly or uh, it was a Molly. My, Manson Musa was uh, uh, he was over Molly too. Molly Ghana, Ghana yeah. Molly Ghana, so they all came came together. But like either Molly or Ghana, whatever it was at the time uh, that he was on the throne, like that was the main kingdom. But like Manson Musa, like everybody came there and they traded and they just taxed everybody from all around the world. So that's how his. You know what I mean? Because that was like the world's biggest mall. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right. And so, but it was other kingdoms. It was yeah. That were not being like Mensa Musa and his empire. They weren't trying to encroach on. All no, these I'm other not saying. Empires. I'm not so saying like he just, was trying to like dominate the world. Yeah, exactly. But but that's that's, that's what I'm getting at. That's what yeah. I'm getting at. No, like, no, no, no. Right now, the world is like one big government because. White, because because white supremacy has spread out all over the world, so they pretty much control every continent right like there's not one continent where they don't have their hand in it they don't have yeah they have some kind of influence everywhere and everywhere and so therefore everywhere everybody is like lining up under that because they can't if you can't beat them join them right except but if, for china but if they, china don't care bro yeah <laughs> china china, no. china and uh was it north korea north korea yeah <laughs> no but china's smart i mean they 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 wised up yeah but they are still under like they're not going to challenge them yeah. for every kind of but china's starting to they can they're starting to take africa you know what i mean like they're slowly but surely yeah. encroaching on africa and they might be well, taking over the, the next 20 30 years everybody in politics are you think they're they're ambitious people right mm-hmm. and then for me a lot of times it's it's, it's male you know what i mean i don't see it in females as much as far as like tyrants you know what mm-hmm, i mean mm-hmm. females like i definitely think you know females are powerful people but i just they they just are it just seems like they're just better people <laughs> you know what i mean oh that's dudes. a fact yeah, yeah yeah but you get you know a male yeah. with definitely an ego yeah. all males have you know the ego and then to be in politics yeah to be in politics and rise you have to have ambitions and you have to have you got to be power hungry mm. and that turns into something way different because now you have this power Mm-hmm. You know, you think about, you know, 45 right now, you got this power mm-hmm. and how can I use that to my advantage? It's not about the people anymore. It's how can I help me? You think Barack was like that? Uh, I don't know. I definitely think he has some kind of, I mean, I definitely, I definitely think, you know, he, he had an agenda. Mm-hmm. He had something, he had a way that it was going to help him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't think it was along the lines of like, I have aspirations to like, you know, be the wealthiest person in the world or be the most dominant person in the world or, Word. you know what I'm saying, to oppress other people, but I'm going to find out how I can make the situation work for mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. you know, the best way I can. Yeah. Yeah, man, 45, bro, he's just, he's another level of of evil and just self-absorbed, you know what I mean? Right. Like, that's, that's not common. Right. <laughs> that's <laughs> not common for a, a president, obviously, but he's there and he's he's broke the mold. So we'll see what happens after him. Right. You got to watch that Michael Chase special, man. Because okay. he has something on on, uh, on forty five too. Because yeah. he was talking about how like, he don't think he should be president, but like he wouldn't mind hanging out with him. <laughs> but he had to say, well, like, I mean, real. everybody like, used to walk, hang out with Trump yeah. back in the day. To if be if honest, like all the club hip-hop you was at, yeah, you'd be like, oh shit, Trump is about to be lit. Like you gonna turn up? Oh man. That's crazy. Before he was forty five, I don't think now that's gonna work. If he walks into a club now, yeah, he yeah. Gonna get, he gonna get. Oh, he, this happened like before the election. This happened, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. That makes sense because I'm about to say, bro, after he even did what he did, I don't know if I want to right. link with him. Yeah, I, I don't definitely don't want to link, link with Joey Bosa. And forty five is just Joey I mean, Bosa. Oh, Nick Bosa. Oh yeah, Nick Bosa. Nick yeah, Bosa. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if Joey said anything. He just uh, affiliated by 
by, by relationship. Right. He, he probably smart enough not to say it. I bet you he going to catch something, too, though. I bet you people is like, man, your little brother, man. I bet you think just like him. Right. Yo, but did you, did you hear the background on their family? No. So, like, the Bosa's, like, they, they grandfather, like, after Al Capone went down, they grandfather stepped in and, like, was running the mob in Chicago or something like that. Oh, okay. So, like, these fools is rich. They're deep in just, like, being low-key treacherous. That's crazy. <laughs> so, like, yeah, they, they family goals. But either he stepped in to run the mob or he was, like, the head of security or something like that. You know the mob didn't go away. Uh, for sure. The mob, the mob is just is just in politics now. Then it go away. They got. A, they had. They made enough money mm-hmm. that they didn't have to do street level stuff no more. Yeah. Now they just involved in politics. They just involved in like, yeah. How can I? Because every drug that comes into the country, right? It's mm-hmm. not being brought over. You know what I'm saying? In the butthole of like a Mexican or like, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> people ain't coming. Like, that's not <laughs> happening. Like people, that's not how most of the drugs get here, bro. <laughs> Was that the first right. thing that came to mind? <laughs> right. <laughs> But that's how people. That's because that's what they make you think. Word, These word. people are coming up from Mexico and they're all coming up with drugs and they're yeah. making everything. No, that's not how the drug the drugs get here because there are big uh, uh, poppy fields, coca fields, like all through Colombia. There's, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, all, but they're not ran by Colombians. Mm-hmm. They're ran by mostly white folks. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Somebody's doing a deal, and the D- the DA or Whoever is letting drugs come over here because it's profitable. Oh yeah, I can give you you know money. The, just the let country will it will fall flat without drug money. Right, our economy is propped up by drug money. Right, and the mob stepped in. That's where I think this is just my own opinion. I mm-hmm. think that's where the mob stepped in and the mob got involved in politics and they're doing it that way now, rather than doing it on street level. You don't have to kill nobody. You know what I'm saying? For mm-hmm. I don't know stepping on your territory now when you right. own the the the. You own the drug factory. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody can have it. I don't care about your territory. Mm-hmm. I own the factory. You got to buy from me regardless. Mm. You know? That's wild. Speaking of the mob, bro, um, when you were in Iraq, that was what, Bush era, right? When I was in there, um, or no. it was, it was uh, I was in there when Barack was president. Okay. He was in well, I, was, I, I went twice, but the first time it was Bush, okay. the second time was uh, Barack. So there's always been a lot of speculation of why we were in Iraq from mm-hmm. you, you know, being there and knowing what was going on, the politics behind it. I mean, do you do you know all the politics that were behind it, why we were there and what was really going down? Um, or I know it's I know enough to form a loose opinion. OK, um, because it's it's always layered. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of course. I do. I think that, you know, uh, the government wants to control the oil field, oil mm-hmm. fields. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to do it in a way to where, you know, I mean, you're going to go in there. They went in there and dismantled the whole government. Mm-hmm. So you go in there and you take the person in power out of power. Mm-hmm. You uh, kill their military force. Now these people have no way to govern themselves. Mm-hmm. So if you just pull out now, if you just collect the oil fields and you're just like, I'm gone, there's no way to protect them. You can protect sure. their oil field, but the people are going to turn on you eventually, right? Yeah. So now what do you have to do? Now you have to come in in and you have to get somebody in power Mm -hmm. and now you have to play politics and you have to go save hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. You got to make the people get on your side. That Mm -hmm. way they don't run you out of them oil fields or they don't run you out of, you know, uh, politics or the government once you put your foot in. Mm -hmm. And so it was both. So depending on how you look at it, are we fighting a war for oil? Yes. But then we're also fighting somebody who, you know, at that time, depending, I didn't know him personally, Mm -hmm. but Saddam was not. You know what I'm saying? He was not, he didn't seem like a, a very nice guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, so you got that. You want to take him out. 
of power because mm-hmm. he is definitely oppressing people and he's you know destroying people. But no more than American government is. Right. But you know what I'm saying. But you so they just want to put way. in their guy. Right. I want to get my guy in here. That way, if I got my if I got my good people old in here, democracy, nobody's gonna run me out. Yeah. I'm good. And if I can get the people to say like we saved them, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Boom. That's all you need. That's cold, bro. Right. That's like a Dave Chappelle story at the end of a was it Bird Box? I, I was just thinking about that, bro. <laughs> that's the saying? story, bro. That's what I'm saying. You beat somebody up. You you beat you beat you her with a coat hanger. Yeah, you 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 know what I'm saying. You put them in that situation the and then right. you save them. Right, and then she says, you know what I mean? Thank you for thank you for taking care of me. Yep. Yeah. And she thought she was on her last one. Forget. Now she gonna roll with you for another. You the reason why he was there in the first place. Wow. That's, that's the cold. Yeah. That's cold. that's crazy. But they, have you ever have you ever read Slim? I want to, bro. After he did, after he did yeah. that on the on the stand up, I was like, I got to get one of his books, bro. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy, man. And that's a different thing, man. Somebody actually took that experience in the street and turned it into like a movie. Like when you read, when you read, it's like a movie. It's like you read it firsthand, like you're there. You know what I mean? And so the story that he told was it like shot for shot from the book, or was it uh, an adaptation from the book? Or have you read? It's it? from the book, but his interpretation of what he read. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Okay, because everything that you know he. He put his Dave Chappelle in there. For sure. You know what I mean? You, yeah. yeah. That's what made it, like, interesting. Mm. Uh, more interesting. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's because when you read it, you actually feel like you're there. So you feel like you can tell the story, like, firsthand. Word. You know what I mean? Word. And it's just like, um, oh, have you ever, do you, do you, uh, are you a big reader? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, Mahandas Gandhi. Have you ever read anything from oh, Mahandas no. Gandhi? No. So he has his book. It's an autobiography. It's called My Experiment, My Experiments with Truth, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And it's one of the dopest books ever because you know you grow up in history class. They talk about Gandhi, and then they talk about Gandhi. You know, every in all kinds of like, uh, what's a motivational speaking for sure, right? And you see him as this crazy, like this great figure, like you know what I'm saying, like dude is like Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if you sit down and read this book, he's so transparent, mm-hmm. and he talks about like, um, you know, growing up and uh, being very religious and then he talks about like meeting a friend right and then how he met this friend and his friend was doing all kind of stuff going to brothels he was drinking he was eating meat and he thought he could be like a mentor to get him to stop doing it mm-hmm. but then he realized you can't have real friendship if it's me trying to get you to stop doing something mm-hmm. like, you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. that, that's me being more of a you know what i mean a mentor or you know a, a father figure in your yeah, life yeah yeah He's like, true friendship is kind of like a give and take. I have to open up just as much as they do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then he noticed himself starting to go to brothels. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He didn't say he did anything in them, but he went to brothels. Yeah. He started eating meat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this kind of stuff is happening. And it, you know, it's kind of, it shows you like that's, that's what real true friends is, a true connection. Yeah. And so it opens it up to him. He was actually just a real person. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it that way, you know, everybody is just, just a real person. Like For everybody sure. has trials and tribulations. Yeah. And they go through stuff. And so it, it, it teaches you not to be afraid of people mm-hmm. or not to silence your opinion or not to say, you know what I'm saying? Walk yeah. in a situation. I remember growing up, you walk in situations with adults and you're like, you're timid about what you're going to say, mm-hmm. what you're going to do. Or you walk into certain situations as an adult and it's like a boss or somebody like that. And mm-hmm. you're, you're timid about what you're going to say, or what you're mm-hmm. going to do. But they, they, they just as messed up as you are. You just don't, you know what I mean? You That's just know it. your, you just know your issues. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it opens up a whole new door of just like, who cares? That's dope. Yeah. What, what was that book called again? My Experiments with Truth. Word. Yeah, that's that's a good book, man. I'm definitely going to get on that. Now, um, I just want to pivot into what we were talking about before, man, because we, we were talking about religion and just 
the implications of raising your kids under mm -hmm. strict religious rules. Now, when I was raised, um, it wasn't, it didn't feel too strict, but like, you know, you go to children's church, you go to Bible study, um, you, if you're paying attention enough, like, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And you, there's a lot of things that you can't do. You can't listen to worldly music. You right. can't, you know what I mean? Go see certain movies, play certain video games. These Illuminati's. The yeah. Uh, my parents hated that I watched The Simpsons, so I had to watch it when they weren't home. Like, stuff <laughs> like Simpsons. that. The Simpsons, bro, is evil back right. in the day, bro. You know what I mean? Because Bart defied his parents and, you know, he right. didn't honor his father and all that type of stuff. So, how do you see it as, like, how, how that affects kids in their, in their um. development? It's a lot of ways, man, because I think it affects kids in their uh, in their development. Um, as far as you raise them to please this perfect sky daddy, you know what I mean? Sky it's, daddy, <laughs> right? <laughs> so they going through life and they like, man, I can't mess up. Like sky daddy gonna kill me, right? You know what I'm saying? Sky, they daddy. love you as a person because you actually physically there and you hug them and you kiss them. But yeah. you know what I'm saying? They can't get that kind of stuff from sky daddy. Like, <laughs> Okay. And so I think it, it's damaging in that way because it forces them to try to be this perfect outline of a person that nobody is. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it kind of yeah. it messes with their psyche because nobody can do it. So you're giving them expectations that they can't live up to. Mm. What do you think that's going to cause? That's going to make people depressed. And then kids get, you know what I mean, sad. and uh, You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In certain ways. Mm -hmm. And then if they do do something that doesn't, go with the rules mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying now they look down on themselves they get hard and you know what i'm saying yeah, and then a lot you of have guilt, a lot of fear a lot of guilt, yeah all this depression and all this stuff going on in the world mm -hmm. a lot of it i think equates to people trying to please something that cannot be pleased mm. live up to a standard that can't be lived up to yeah um and then another way it does i think it it cuts people off socially okay i know one of the most freeing things when i realized like nobody knows the truth mm -hmm. like it just is what it is one of the freest things was now because I'm not so dead set on being, you know, a Christian. I'm mm -hmm. not so dead set on. If somebody invited me to a mosque, I will go. Mm -hmm. If somebody invited me to, um, I don't know, like a, a Hindu church or you know whatever, yeah, I would go, and I wouldn't. It wouldn't matter. You or know it's what I mean? certain. It's certain things like if you really super religious, like if you really really a, a Christian, you can't do yoga, right? It's it like certain basic things as right. part of society. Like, nah, Christianity you can't. is weird in a way anyway because people <laughs> pick and choose what they want to like. You know that's what I'm saying? Fact. But if you, but and that's because a lot of Christians don't read the Bible, right? And they don't. They just kind of go on Sunday and they're trying to, like you said, please Sky Daddy and please everybody around because everybody just wants to fit in. It's more like a social club, exactly. But if you get down to the scriptures, like there's a lot of things you can't do, right? And you can't indulge in because yoga is like low key, like poses of to the like. Praising the the God of whatever the God, however many gods they got, and it's like showing reverence to their gods. So as a Christian, you can't show reverence you to any other, other any other guy. You ain't supposed to eat shrimp. That's a fact. How many people went to Seafood? Red Lobster after Sunday service? Is that gotta have lobster, shrimp, crab? But then if if you interpret the New Testament in a certain type of way, you can eat anything. But if you mm -hmm. go by the Old Testament, the law that was put mm -hmm. in place that was never abolished, it was just fulfilled. Right. The law still stands. So are you, you know what I mean? So, Why is this so confusing? Hey, like, literally, bro. if you if you want me to believe this, why would you make it so confusing for, like, people like, you know what I'm saying? To understand. Even if I do want to know, every time I come across something is truth, I see a contradiction to it, mm -hmm. and it raises more questions. Yeah. You know and then I mean? you're going to have people... That are gonna argue forever. So that's one thing. Another thing that kind of like woke me up was like, 
people with with religion, people it's just a, it's a reason for people to argue, and the argument is never going to stop. Right. And the division of people is never going to stop. People are never going to come together mm. because of religion. So right. it's like, does that make sense? It's an instant barrier. Yeah. An and so instant barrier. To to kind of go back to my to the kids. Right now, like like when I'm telling folks, solely but surely, like all the Christian homies, like yo, bro, I'm not like religious like that no more. Like one of the first things they say, like bro, so what are you gonna do about your kids? Like how are you gonna raise them? It's like man, love, empathy, right. like but if this... like God is love. So if God is love, if you love, you are godly. Like so they don't have to be dogmatically Christian or dogmatically, you know, Hebrew or dogmatically whatever. Like if you just love people. Like love is the ultimate ethic. Like there's no higher ethic than love. So if you just teach your kids to do that and teach them how to treat people right and be fair to people, you know what I mean? Like treat other people how they want to be treated. Like, man, yeah. that's so simple. They can be dope human beings. Exactly. Eventually. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's it. And that's what it is. And I, it. it's it's an instant barrier. Like if I raise my kids to be super Christian, what do you think they're going to do when they come across somebody who happens to be Muslim? In high school, they you know what I mean. They gonna hate them. They gonna vilify. And they they no, no. may not hate them, but they might vilify them because yeah. oh, you're going to hell. But even if it's as simple as like, say they're they're actually like nice. They're just not gonna communicate or talk to that person. Mm -hmm. You don't communicate and talk to this person just based off of their religion. Like that's a because you're dumb thing to do. <laughs> that's the dumbest thing on earth. Just because you believe something I don't believe, I'm not. I can't even have a conversation with you now. Yeah, you know what I mean. And, and then, it, or if you do have a conversation with them, you feel like you're right. So you feel like all you're going to do is try to, like you said, with, with the friendship, right. you're just going to be like trying to put them up on game and tell them what they need to do. But you, you don't know anything about them. Like you have no relationship. You can't even really, yeah. you can't form a real relationship. Your whole relationship is based upon converting them. Convert. Yeah. Getting them to believe what you want to believe because what they it. believe is wrong. That's it. I, I, yeah. I don't, I just can't do it. And it's weird because, and I want my kids to grow up. And I don't care if they end up being religious when they, you know what I'm saying, as they grow up. I tell them all the time, we can talk about anything. You come to me and if you have questions on religion, mm -hmm. I'm a, I'll give you all the information that I think I know about it. You yeah. know what I mean? From, yeah. right, so any religion that you want to talk about, you know, mm -hmm. but I don't want you to be so dead set on this is the ultimate truth mm -hmm. that you don't make relationships with other people and see what life is like for other people right because everybody's situation is different and you can learn so much from just having one conversation with somebody who is not like you right somebody who doesn't believe in the same things as you yeah. and i don't want to cut you off from that before you even get a chance to figure it out yourself yeah you know and if you grow up and you have you say you want to be buddhist okay i'll go to one of the you know i don't mm -hmm. To a Buddhist ceremony, I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever, I don't, yeah, it, it's not a thing to me. Like, I'm not going to care about it. Right. And then, but it's also funny because they then, kids create what they think, like how the earth created in their mind based off of the stuff that they hear. That's what's So like, yeah, my, uh, my mother-in-law is, you know, super Christian. She takes mm -hmm. the kids to church whenever mm -hmm. she gets a chance. And, you know, I don't mind. It's cool. They can learn about it, but then they always have questions. Oh, and so course. my daughter, she's a uh, nine. And she had this weird, like, her interpretation from everything that she heard of how the earth was created. Mm. And we were just sitting in the kitchen. I'm cooking, and my kids are in there. We're talking. And she's like, yeah, it was easy. I'm like, how, how was it created? Like, she was like, well, it was three gods, and they made this big rock. And so they gave this rock to God. And I'm like, okay, three gods gave the rock to God. She's like, yeah. And then God put people on the, on the, on the rock. Mm. And then he put, like, gold and silver. And I'm like, wait. If he's like the people got 
and the other guys was earth gods. How is he putting these elements? He was like, well, that's God, God, dad. Like, that's not, you know what I mean? He's like the God guy. I'm like, oh, okay, I understand right, now. Okay, right. God, God can do everything. I'm rolling. Okay. Right. Yeah. And uh, and just hearing her going to us some more. And she was like, yeah, he put people on the rock. And then he gave people rules. And then he just, you know, kind of taught people how to, and automatically she's making this dude a dude. Yeah. Just because of everything she taught. For it's sure. not like I told, I didn't tell her like this was it, yeah. but it's just, you know, what she learned. And then, um, and so conversations, and it, it just, it made me realize, like, that's just as believable as a lot of the religions that I've heard before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, it was just three dudes, three gods. Mm-hmm. Gave it to another guy, 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 put people in there, and, and that's what it was. And he gave them rules. And that's how life is now. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, that's pretty much the premise for a lot, yeah. <laughs> a lot of different religions. Yeah, that's that's plausible, bro. Right, it's yeah. plausible. Yeah. And so it was like, it, it, it was weird just learning that. And then as she grows, she asks questions all the time. She'll get smarter. She's nine. Right. She definitely doesn't know anything about the world yet. Like, sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Nine-year-olds are, are very, very dumb people. Uh, <laughs> but it's only because they haven't learned yet. Right, right. They still got so much more to, to yeah. experience. And I think with her experience with life, it will open her up. Because she's like one of those people. She'll talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. We go to the park. And if there's kids out there, that's when she's the happiest. If we go to an empty park, she's mm-hmm. pissed. Mm-hmm. But if there's kids out there, she's boom. Yeah, I'm making friends and I'm talking to you know just that's, that's her personality. I'm yeah. like that's gonna take you far, right? Especially if I don't put barriers on you to make you think certain people are certain ways. Man, the you barriers, know? man, and that's that's the thing. Like, and you know, I'll be talking to other folks that are like, whether leaders in church or just not even leaders, but people that just been in the church for a long time and they're trying to figure out like, man, why is it that our generation and the generation under us they not going to church no more? And I'm like. Because people ain't telling the truth, or when, when, when folks like me or other folks like got questions, questions aren't being answered, right? By the folks in the church who low key come off as if they have all the answers. That's the reason why they follow that, and that's the reason why they teach it. But then when you ask them questions and they don't have answers, and they tell you to pray on it or to have faith, that is not enough. It's not enough. In the information generation, praying on it and just having faith is not going to work. Do you know what that's telling you, though? When somebody says you got to have faith, that's telling you create the solution in your mind. Create yeah. the, and then you have people, when you say create the solution in your mind, you have people that say, well, I believe it's this way. And then they, they preach that way. And then you got somebody say, I believe it's this way. And then they preach that way. And then you got this corrupt <laughs> system that you can't get out of because everybody got this made up stuff that mm-hmm. they just implemented. That's it. Because you told them to have faith. Mm-hmm. Because God only God knows that. So basically, yeah, you just rationalize in your own mind how you think something should go. Yeah. And it makes sense to you. And you take a few scriptures that kind of corroborate what you said. And you twist it. And then you just put it out there. And it's not yeah. even not even twisted. Like, that's not just what twisted. you come to. Yeah, because they just... told you. Like, if it's open-ended, draw your own conclusion. All right, I'm going right. to draw my own conclusion then. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, like, your, your daughter, she drew her own conclusion. She drew her Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's and what we, she did. And we've been doing that. For centuries, you know. What yeah, I mean? that's how they choose like what sins to persecute and what sins to say. Ah, that's not that big of a deal. Right. It's okay to eat shrimp, but you better not like help no dudes. Like, bro, don't exactly. do that. You know exactly. what I'm saying? And yeah. it's like, it's all in there. Right. Yeah. It's all in there. It's all the same. They actually mentioned not eating stuff more than they mentioned not being gay. That's like certain right. things you can't eat more than they mentioned. You know what I mean? Yeah, you shouldn't be gay. And so like, yeah. Why do you? How do you pick and choose that way? You know what I'm saying? Of course, for me, I. I'm just happen to be somebody who I'm not attracted to men. Mm-hmm. So I don't really understand people who are attracted to men. Mm-hmm. But you do what you do. Yeah. As long as that other dude is consenting, I don't care what you do in your bedroom. Word. You know what I mean? 
I don't care about having a conversation with my kids about it either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's a thing in the world. Yeah. People are going to be like, regardless. Yeah. Like, you're always going to have people who are gay. You're always going to have mm-hmm. people who are trans. You're always going to have people who, you know what I mean, identify as something else. Mm-hmm. We just got to adjust as people and say, listen, I don't mind having a conversation with my kids about it. Word. You know, I don't understand them personally a whole bunch, you know, but I have a conversation with people. And this is what I, I've learned from just meeting and talking to other people and not having those barriers and saying, mm-hmm. because this person is gay or because this person is trans or because this person is this, oh man, I can't have a conversation with you. Yeah. No, you're still a person at the end of the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't mm-hmm. think, hopefully nobody can turn me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey. <laughs> you haven't come across the right brother. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nah, but and yeah, it's man, funny, just in like, the, in okay. the uh, comedy community, mm-hmm. it's funny because you have, it's a lot of trans, a lot of gay, a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, especially in Portland. Okay. Yeah. And so you learn a lot from going to like showcases and mics and different things and hearing their point of view because mm. every comic is just telling you what's ironic to them from their point of view yeah. some people have personas and like that kind of thing where they act out a skit but I think like people who really really love comedy are just displaying ideas that they have in their head that mm. they find funny mm-hmm. or ironic mm-hmm. yeah yeah man yeah bro like just thinking about what we were talking about um, with, with the kids like at the end of the day, I don't want to limit their you don't want growth. To limit them. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to put things in their mind that I value as wrong, but it's just like that's my own personal whatever. Right. And I mean, at the end of the day, love, empathy, justice are like three things that you can build your life off of and you can learn how to deal with people in the best way possible. Yeah. And when it comes down to somebody's sexual preference or whatever preference they choose, how they live their life, it's not for you to judge. Right. You know, <laughs> it's not right. for you to it's... judge. Like now you want to, you want to have empathy. Uh, you want to protect your own, whatever your values, whatever, like you stick to however you want to do your thing. Right. But like, you don't have to judge somebody else's like it's, life is too short and life is too amazing to take time to stop and judge and right. vilify and point the finger. Like there's so many more constructive things you can do with your life and your time. Not only that, it's so much other stuff to like care about. You know what I'm saying? Sure. There's so much other stuff that's sure. actually impacting people yeah. to like actually care about, yeah. to focus on how somebody wants to live their life. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Consenting and not hurting anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? And honestly, a lot of the reasons why, you know, I don't, I, I can't like get into that fight is because I don't don't care. It doesn't affect me at one bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, it affects people in general, and I feel sorry. And I'm definitely, I will stand with you. I'll vote, you know what I mean, to make sure that you have equal rights and all that kind of stuff. But I can't champion that. Mm -hmm. It's not, I I, I can't, I can't care enough. Like, you know what I'm saying? I feel you. And uh, it's not because I don't care about them. It's just, I just, you know, it's people in Flint that that ain't took a shower in weeks. You know what I'm saying? It's people that, that are literally being denied not being denied, but they don't have a basic essential for life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Water. Just water. Mm-hmm. Everybody has water. Like, I can go home and turn on my faucet and just leave it running all day. Yeah. Because I live in Oregon. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a fact. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nuts. But the effect that we have on our kids is weird, too, though. Mm-hmm. Because I noticed... You know, and like I said, I'm not a perfect person. A lot of my bias and a lot of my issues, they rub off on my kids. You know, I'm driving around uh, Northeast Portland the other day. 
and it's just a, a bunch of white people like on Mississippi and they're crossing the street. And I can't be crossing I, the street with so much confidence, bro. Bro, <laughs> I can't get two blocks before I'm like stopped for like ten minutes, and I'm like, oh my god, he's oh, why are you here? This is not your place. Like, you know what I mean? I'm mad because it was like when I was growing up, it was like none but black people. Oh, right? yeah, like, it was sure. a community. I'm like ruining it you know yeah, what i'm saying but my yeah. kids in the car and i'm just having this you know what i'm saying kind of like oh thing. yeah you triggered right now. right yeah and then uh my <laughs> sister took my daughter to the store and my daughter was like something something like white people like all these white people or something like that mm -hmm. and so i had to like okay i gotta have a conversation yeah because like, now my bias is rubbing, it's rubbing off, off. yeah and it i'm happens. talking to her i'm like you you're nine <laughs> You can't blame white people for anything. <laughs> you know, you're not there yet. Like you, they have done nothing to you for you to be like, oh, they're. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. you don't know what it's like. Word. So don't limit yourself and and don't please don't take on my bias. That's right. daddy because I've been through life yeah. and I have. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but kids are like that, man. They're just like little. Little uh, little computers, bro. Like we're, yeah. we're programming them. We are right now. That's so. why it's important to talk to them too. For um, sure. My wife and I we adopted uh, three kids, her sister's kids, mm -hmm. and uh, the oldest, uh, uh, my oldest daughter. She didn't come to us until she was uh, eleven, mm -hmm. and she had already been so much in life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. many different, you know, scenarios, and she came so jaded, and so it was so hard to try. First, you got to establish that relationship mm -hmm. because she's coming to the house like, you're not my dad. Mm -hmm. Like You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. automatically, you're not my mom. You're not my dad. Like, you guys, you didn't raise me. You don't care. You just want to give me rules. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So you have to find a way to break down that barrier and build a relationship to where like, now we can talk. If you have an issue, you mm -hmm. can always just come talk to me. You know what I'm saying? And how do you do that now at that age? You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And so the other day, she went to the store. So my wife's other sister, her older sister, um, was there as well so she decided okay we'll say it okay we'll let you live with Kim because that's who you want to live with mm -hmm. you know what I mean but you know we're still we're here for you you know what I mean you always come back that's what you want to do right now we gotta have let you have that freedom because you, you don't trust us hopefully you can trust her try to put her in a different environment yesterday she got caught stealing at Target mm -hmm. you know what I mean mm -hmm. and it's just like so much in life from like when you're a baby till you become a teenager the only thing that you're learning, like you ever realize why you don't have any memories of you as a baby? You don't have memories of you as a baby, one, two, three. You don't know what happened, right? Mm -hmm. That's like a blur to you because you weren't, your brain wasn't developed enough to create memories. Mm -hmm. Like only thing that you're doing is learning like my hand moves this way. Like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, this is the difference between hot and cold. Mm -hmm. um, oh, these are toes. This, these are how these things wiggle. And you're learning to build those things as you grow up. And then you're also learning like uh, uh, social cues and that kind of thing that mm -hmm. are being stored in your brain. Mm -hmm. You don't have the capacity to create a memory yet. You know what I mean? So all this stuff is just stuff that is being poured into you, mm -hmm. poured into you, and it's becoming your personality. Yeah, so then you become a teenager, yeah. and you went through all this crap when you were learning just the natural, mm -hmm. natural life, and now you have to come back. Somebody has to come back and try to mend that, try to fix that because you've been corrupted so much. Mm-hmm. You know, by heartache, by pain, by people walking in and out of your life. Yeah. And then now you don't trust anybody and you're 11, 12, 13 years old. And these people are trying to tell you that they're here for you. And you can't break it now. Yeah. And I think when raising your kids, you have to maintain uh, like a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. Make it open for them to come to you. And so when you live that way, and especially like in strict religion household, man, when you live that way where like the father is a tyrant. You don't know, how many times have you like heard those horror stories mm -hmm. of like... 
My dad woke me up like yelling out the Lord's Prayer in the morning. Every mm-hmm. morning he marched up the stairs yelling <laughs> the Lord's Prayer. And then like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. If I wasn't home by 7 o'clock, I got a beating in my lifetime. Like, yeah. you know, those people grow up and they don't want to talk to that dude. Like, I want to talk to you. Like, mm-hmm. you beat me for my whole life. You yeah. never had a conversation with me unless you were trying to get me to right. love Jesus. Yeah, You know? And then they make mistakes mm-hmm. and they have nobody to guide them. They get trapped somewhere. They start, you know, the first time. My son's seven. And the other day we were riding and he was like, uh, he was asking me questions and he was like, daddy, what about, he was like, never mind. And I was like, what is it, son? Talk to me about anything. He was like, what was weed? He's seven. (laughs) Right. And so now I got to have this conversation with him. You know, this is what weed is. It's a drug. Um, It's a certain classification of drug. Adults do it. Um, You know, just like. Adults drink alcohol. We just had this conversation about alcohol, weed, and drugs. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, you should never smoke weed. Like, not that, yeah. uh, I smoke every once in a while. Like, yeah, it's not a, mm-hmm. to me, it's not a big deal. But don't do it until you're old enough to make that decision. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Until you're, you're at a place where you can make conscious decisions and you can make decisions on the, with the, based on knowledge rather than, you know what I'm saying, how For you sure. feel. Yeah. And so, yeah, just having that conversation with him. And mm-hmm. then my daughter got in the car because uh, we were going to get haircut. We went to go pick her up. And she was going to ask me a question. And she did the same thing. Like, mm. And my son was like, you can ask daddy anything. <laughs> and that was like a proud moment. Yeah. Like, I'm happy. Like, I want to keep that relationship. You know what I mean? As you grow up. And they get teenagers and they turn into assholes. Right. They're not, like, they ain't going to ask you nothing. Right. Because they already know it all. They already know everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's but funny. if I set that ground rule, hopefully when they turn 18, 19 and they actually start real life decisions mm-hmm. like you know i'm thinking about like you know man getting this credit card messing up my credit for the rest of my life <laughs> you know what i mean look son <laughs> daughter don't do that like <laughs> do, do not do it come talk to me we'll figure it out a different right. way yeah you that's know. funny man um my son he asked me was it this year or was it last year? But he asked me and my wife, you know, where the babies come from. Right. And, like, he asked, you know, my wife at first. And then she's like, well, let's wait until daddy gets home. I was like, no, I don't want to ask daddy. You know, <laughs> and she brought him downstairs, sat down. It's like, go ahead, ask daddy, you know, your question. And he was like, oh, I don't want to say it. I was like, Elijah, it's okay. And then, I, you know, he asked it. And then she was just like, I don't want to answer it. So I'll let you answer it because, you know, you his dad. I'm like, all right. I'm about to tell him. She's like, well, don't tell him everything. And I'm like. I'm about to tell him because when I was five, I asked my mom. Yeah. She told me everything. I did not know what penis or vagina meant. I just remember sitting at a kitchen table being like, I didn't know what was going on. And I was just confused. And I was just like, okay. And then I, when I was a teenager, I remember like, well, I was going through sex ed. I was like, man, my mom told me about this stuff. Right. But I was like, five. I didn't know what to do with it. But like, so he's nine or whatever. And so I just told him, you know what I mean? Penis, vagina. You know, your, your penis one day is going to get bigger. It's going it's to get hard. Gonna get, has, that, has that happened? He's like, Daddy. I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> right. When that happens, you're going to get excited. You're going to have all these hormones. And, you know, you put it in the vagina. And you have sperm that comes out. And it makes a baby. And all, that's how baby. And he was just like, okay. Right. Like, you, got, you got any other questions? He's like, no. <laughs> not, not right now. I'm going to go process this. Right. He was just like. You just oh, dropped a bomb on me. He said, that's just weird. I was like, I know. But that's, right. that's how everybody came into this world. You know what I mean? Me, he'll, mommy, you, Riley. You know? he'll, turn, he'll, he'll get his teenage years and that won't be weird no more. Nah. It's That'll not. be like, oh, that's all I want to do. Right. I yeah. don't understand. I ain't looking forward to that. Right. Man, it's going to happen. I got uh, Ant, man. He, he, he's uh, 15. Yeah. We had a conversation the other day. I'm actually jealous of like 15-year-olds nowadays because mm-hmm. when I was a kid, like the first time I ever had sex, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything. <laughs> 
Like, I didn't know where to find the hole. Like, I'm, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I thought it was up top. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but nowadays, like... Up top. Right. It was up top somewhere. Like, it's, it's I know it's down there. It's, uh. it's somewhere. But, uh, <laughs> but nowadays, like... Kids got that on their phone. Yeah. Like, I mean, if kids really, you know what I'm saying, want to know, yeah. like, how to do it, yeah. they can know, like, you know how to do it. Hopefully, they don't follow right. <laughs> pornos and nah. try to do that. For, you know what yeah. I mean? It's no, not the yeah. case, man. Yeah. Don't do it that way. But, mm-hmm. I'm talking, man, it's crazy because I remember being a young dude and only thing you had was, like, hormones on your mind. Like, mm-hmm. 14-year-old boys are, like, the epitome of, like, the grossest That's thing wild, in America. Bro. Yeah, it's, the it's grossest wild. thing in the world. Yeah. And so, yeah, you yeah. get that. Yeah, it's nuts, man. Yeah. You got to have that communication. And if you explain it to them, then as they grow up, I think they, they, they tend to make better decisions. Yeah. Educated decisions. Anything that you make educated is a better decision. For sure. Just knowing is, is the key. Like, as long as you know the truth, you know right. what's real, like, then you can work with it. But you tell them a fantasy, then what they going to work with, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. And that, <laughs> that's weird, man. I have a... Uh, when it comes to religion, um, and then like, because a lot of people say like, if you don't raise your kids like religiously, like they're gonna grow up and they're gonna be creating, um, mm. you know, situations, stories in their mind. They're gonna be this, and like, is it? They've is already it, been given creative stories. Right, already been given creative stories. But is that so bad compared to like we tell them like some fat white dude comes to the house every year and gives them presents? You know what I'm saying? Right. But it's bad for them to create a story about right. how the earth, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's okay for us to tell and them we this celebrate weird. Easter and the Easter bunny. Right. And... This bunny that, that lays chocolate eggs. Bunnies don't even lay <laughs> eggs. Like, you know what I'm saying? You give them, or the tooth fairy that's sneaking into their room yeah. at night and yeah. like putting money under their pillow. Word. Like, we telling people all this stuff, telling our kids all this stuff, but then say it's not okay for them to create up their own stories. How you, why, why would you, what's, what's the point of that? Yeah. No, I, I feel you, man. It's just like, there's, there's, it's fear. It's too much fear, bro. Yeah. Like fear is, if fear is a driving factor of people making a decision, like that's not good. Then right. You're not, you're not growing in that situation in a healthy way. Like you're not progressing in a healthy way. It's just, you're kind of confined by that fear. And the one thing that I realized, um, like recently, bro, the heaven or hell proposition is like the coldest thing in the world bro because when you think about it without that proposition how many people are really going to be a part of one of those abraham especially when it comes to christianity and, and islam if there is no heaven or hell how many people are willingly doing all this stuff right to please sky daddy right right you're not doing it nobody yeah the only reason why you're doing a lot of these things is because there's a heaven or hell proposition them, the the uh the kamikaze um like the dudes that fly the planes and like you know what I mean like oh, those, yeah, those yeah, suicide yeah. missions the suicide yeah suicide bombers what, what's their reward for doing that man forty virgins man in heaven in heaven I come don't on even want man that. like the heaven or hell proposition like people go people just go to church casually on Sunday or I'm at least going Mother's Day I'm going right. Christmas I'm going Easter I'm at least you know what I mean show up so that I don't go. Hell. I don't like, go to hell. That's it, bro. And right. so once I re- like that fear, and then I can get that reward. Get that reward, get man. Get that 40 reward. Forty chicks that are apprehensive about having sex with me. <laughs> <laughs> like you got to be a version of one forty version. Like, come on, bro. Right. Like, that ain't that's not enjoyable. No, bro. Like, it's a lot of blood. But anyway, <laughs> it's happened to this fab five, man. Five questions to ask right. everybody. I'm sure you heard it before. Oh yeah. First question: What artist or album made you fall in love with hip hop? 
Artist album made me fall in love with hip hop. I have to say, uh, DMX is Dark and Hell is Hot. Mm, that's a great you know album. I mean? That was like that was the first album that I think I bought and like listened to like, mm. intensely for like weeks. And this yeah. was back when music was like not coming out, but every like once a year. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. This Dark and Hell is Hot. DMX was just that dude. Like man, when that, that uh, get at me dog, when that right. song and that video came out. Right, like I was going to Roosevelt High School at the time too, and okay. then uh, the Rough Riders Anthem was something that we played. Oh, I bet, room. yeah, I know y'all was on oh, that. Man, yeah. that was the that was the lick right that there. That was it. That was a great time to be in high school, <sighs> man, especially that high school. Okay. Uh, question number two: Is there a movie that has changed your outlook on life? Uh, most recently, bro, The Hate You Give. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it yet, bro. You need to watch. I've seen the trailer. I don't know why I haven't watched it, but it looks amazing. Bro, I watched that movie. Actually, when I was coming back from Vegas, we were at, um, uh, SAI, you had a, a convention for like the Democratic. Uh, oh, yeah, I've seen that yeah, on yeah. IG, yeah. And I was on my way, I watched it on the way to Vegas, mm-hmm. but I had like, I got Bluetooth earphones, mm-hmm. so I couldn't listen to the sound. Damn. So I just kind of watched it and listened to music on yeah. my phone, just kind of watched how it was going. Yeah. And on the way back, I'm like, I got to watch that movie. For sure. So I went and bought like the little cheap headphones and I watched it. Yeah. And I actually, bro, on the, I cried on the plane. Like It that. was a part on the plane where I, I literally started dropping tears and I was Damn. like, I looked next to like, next to me, this white dude. <laughs> I'm like, bro, I hope just, you don't see me crying. <laughs> <laughs> was he sleep? The biggest black dude on the planet. He crying. <laughs> he was knocked out. I was happy. Was I was like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the hate you give man was one that was dope. Wow. Like yeah, Issa Rae played that had a dope. Oh, okay, uh, I didn't know she was yeah. in there. Yeah. Wow. And I forget the the young girl's name who was uh the main who played Star, yeah. but she bro she that was um, her her performance was amazing and mm-hmm. it was super believable and it, it gave you that contrast of especially growing up in Portland. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of kids are like this. Yeah. To where, you know, you go home to this small community and it's, you know what I'm saying, it's, it's, it's black. And not to say, mm-hmm. like, it's black in a way, like, it's bad. Because people always paint the black experience as, like, bro, a I ghetto experience. I hate that, bro. Right. When people are like, oh, yeah, um, I was on North Williams the other day and I hadn't been there since the 90s. Oh, it's such a great neighborhood. But back then, oh, it was so bad. Right. I'm like, do you know that I just that I grew up there? Like, you trying to tell me that I had a bad and dangerous life? No, it Shut wasn't up. bad. You it know how many bad. houses I can go on that block and eat and get something to eat? <laughs> right. You know how many mamas I had on that block to try Man. to keep me out of trouble? Yeah, how it's many? like all family and yeah. friends. Like, come on now. It was gang members on the block, but then they also noticed, like, bro, I don't think you are going to be a gang member, man. Like, yeah. stay away from this, man. <laughs> Something's about to go down. I need you to go yeah, home, Yeah, if you bro. was from there, you know who to be around, who not to be around, when to be somewhere, and when not to be somewhere. Exactly. You know I mean? So it wasn't that bad. It wasn't a bad thing. But, yeah, people painted, and you know what I'm saying? She, it was a strong black dad who got caught up in the system, mm-hmm. and then um, a mom who was like a nurse, and it had that kind of aspect to it, mm-hmm. and just, you know what I mean? It had strong family values at home, and it was dope, but then she they shipped her to a white high school where and she had to be a totally different person mm-hmm. because if you act the way you act at home, like as a part of movies, like if I act, um, if I act to where she was from, I forgot the name of the place she was from, but if I act mm-hmm. to that when I'm here, then it's ghetto. Mm-hmm. But when white people do it, it's cool. But if mm-hmm. I do it, it's ghetto. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's a fact. Yeah. You got to put on that face. So, Word. but that movie, it was that, that was a dope movie, bro. That's what's up. I, I definitely need to get. watch that. It's, it's not on Netflix, is it? No, I got it. It was on uh, Amazon Prime. When I, I, like, oh, I got Amazon off. Prime? I yeah, I bought it off Amazon Prime. That's what's like, up. Because sure. I wanted my kids to see it. Cause yeah. They, yeah. That's dope. Yeah, I'm going to watch that. Um, when you feel overwhelmed, how do you de-stress? Um, 
In different ways. I feel sometimes when I feel overwhelmed, I go hit an open mic. Mm-hmm. It's like a therapy session every time I'm up there, bro. That's I can just sit up there and just you know. Sometimes I don't even have nothing to say. Yeah, I've been on open mics with no material prepared, mm. and I just get up there and just start talking to people. Yeah, and it's sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's only funny to me. Yeah. But hey, it all works out because as long as it's funny to me and I'm getting it off my chest, I don't care what people, you know what I'm saying? I don't care if you laugh. That's your therapy. That's your therapy. Right. I'm doing my job. I'm telling you what I think is funny and ironic. Your job is to laugh. And if you choose not to do that, (laughs) hey. You ain't had enough drinks. (laughs) Right. That's on you. (laughs) Be mad if you want to. Um, Fairly new question to the Fab Five. If you woke up tomorrow and won the lottery for $100 million, how would you spend your money and your time? From that day forward, uh, from that day forward, I can, I guarantee you, like I would, I would still do comedy, mm-hmm. but I would do everything my way, for sure, like only my way, and I would definitely use, um, because I'm not somebody who like needs a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. I would, I would use it to make more money, mm-hmm. but I will also, you know, take that money. I will secure a, a future for my children, mm-hmm. um, so they can do what they wanted to do when they got older. Yeah. But then also, I will, I will put it back into um, things I can see that will help this country. So I would actually, I would fund a lot of like union stuff. I'm really big on unions. I think everybody should have a voice about where they work. So I would help out that way. Um, yeah. I would do my best to um, like the education system mm-hmm. to do what I can for the people who get left behind. I think the education system is weird because it's designed in a broad with a broad stroke. You know what I'm saying? This is how I think we can reach the most kids. But it's a lot of kids that don't learn that way. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of kids who can't sit in the classroom and listen to instruction to follow it that way. A lot Man, of kids learn differently. that classroom setting is trash, bro. Right. Mm-hmm. So to pick out, you know what I mean, to, to go out and seek those kids and, you know, fund different ways to try to help them or, or create a team mm-hmm. of teachers and like-minded, you know, educators mm-hmm. and create, let's, let's get a program that we can pull those kids out and actually educate them on something. Yeah. Other than what they're uh, school from beginning to end, from pre-K all the way to twelfth grade, it should be a broad thing to where you can learn, but find out what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. And once you find out what a kid is really, really interested in, a lot of the other stuff is unnecessary for them. They can learn that when they're, you know, if they want to learn it afterwards. Right. Oh yeah. But now you know what this kid wants to do. Now this kid really likes math. Mm-hmm. Okay, we can hold back on like. English and history and that kind of thing. We want the person to read and write mm-hmm. and know how to do it. But mm-hmm. as long as they can understand the basics and they can read, they can write, they can, you know what I'm saying, give a good thought. Yeah. Perfect. Let's put more focus towards math because this kid really excels at it. Word. And this can be the next engineer. This can be the next uh, physicist. This can be the next, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But instead, we do that with status. Nope, we're only going to give you these same math co- these same math classes. Because it's a bit, cause school things. is a business, bro. Like you know, they they take those S back or whatever those standardized tests. Yeah. And then if you get a certain, your school gets a certain whatever, then you're going to continue to get funding. If you don't get high enough scores, and you're going to get defunded. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like the men, people at the top, they're just trying to please the government. Yeah. So that they can continue to get money. And they got all kind of tests, man. They got now that third grade test that they do here in Oregon. It's like the that, kind of like that's yeah, that's that school, that school yeah. to prison pipeline test. Yeah. I opt my kids out. My my daughter's in third grade. I opt her out of that test. Mm. I'm not. She's not. She's not. We're not contributing to this. Like, mm. You know what I'm saying? I don't even know if my son took that in the third grade. He was at a private school. No, well that all third grades do. I don't know if private schools do it as much as. Um, I don't remember. I think they have a private schools have a choice mm. whether or not they want to implement that in their program. But public schools they have to offer the test, but you can't opt out if you're a parent. 
man, they put the pressure. So he's in fourth grade, and uh, they had a meeting for that, and it was like they said you could opt out. I was like, but it's really good, and if we score at a high level, then you know it they don't show. Get, blah, blah, blah. But they don't get funding. It, 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 it does it's nothing for the, the charter. School. I think charter schools do. For that test, yeah. I don't if know if, if I'm not mistaken, funding. if I'm not mistaken, I don't know. I don't know if they talked about funding though. But they framed it in a way that if they can show that they get a good score, then it like it it's good for the school. Yeah, you know. Well, that's know. the power of words, man. That's why, and that's the power of words is so weird. Somebody, you can commit a crime, mm-hmm. and as long as you have somebody who can talk you out of it you're that's why lawyers are the way that they are like it's all language bro oh yeah yeah everything it's crazy written paint language that picture. written language written too language. paint that picture that's how they get different bills to pass that's how that's how you keep oppression going because you make a bill that says i'm gonna help but then the underlying stuff like the stuff that they don't talk about the stuff that's that mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying promoted that's also in that bill when it comes to like budget and mm-hmm. stuff you know things that they're gonna cut in order to implement this bill Sometimes are worse than the bill when they put it in place. For sure. That's why, it, yeah. Politics is something totally different, man. I, I kind of stay away from it because I'm not too engorged in it. I think yeah. helping people on a, a personal level for me is the best because of my resources. I don't have the resources to attack mm-hmm. uh, the, the system. Or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't have Yeah, that. politics, I used to like try to stay far away from it, but like the little bit that I'm learning is local politics is extremely important. Yeah, local politics, so I feel like I can, we make, have, can make a difference. Oh, yeah, we can make a big difference off that, like, yeah. easily. You know what I mean? But uh, especially, like, if you do, like, <laughs> watch Wild Wild Country, bro, like, they almost took over a county. Like, that. those people that lived in that commune, they took over a city and they changed the name. They won the city council. They became their own mayors and all that. Mm-hmm. And they had almost had enough people. <laughs> it was bringing in homeless people just to live there so they could have enough votes. If they would have won the county, like a county is basically a country, like everything that you got to do for your whole life, you change your social security, your birth yeah. certificate, like everything goes through the county. So like if you got a county, like you are your own country, essentially, if they would have won Wasco County and they would have controlled that, they would have, they had control of their, of their own destiny. You know what I mean? Like they are their own government. So that's why the government, U.S. government got them out of there because yeah. they ain't want them to get the whole county. You know what I mean? Exactly. And they're going to do that. I'll be there. <clears throat> Think about but, Black but Wall we, Street, bro. We, hey, we can do that. Uh, we can move into a small town or just into a, a county that isn't that well populated in Oregon and if we if we get we vote enough and have enough votes whatever we can take over all those seats and get government money funded and just set up our whole right. like we can people can do that like they gave a blueprint for it they got booted out of there for other reasons but we can we can do that bro. Black Wall Street 2.0 2.0 bro. <laughs> but you but you gotta be armed you gotta be heavily armed cause they, yeah. they had they had them uh, them ARs and everything bro like bro but we you, can do it but that's the in the second amendment like the yeah. right to bear arms it's yeah. crazy the controversy over it mm-hmm. because I under, you can understand both positions mm-hmm. I definitely don't think certain people should have access to those type of guns mm-hmm. you know AR-15s and ours, people that run into school people with like psych histories people with you know what I'm saying yeah with history of harming people, for sure, they shouldn't be able to get them. But for something like that to protect your community from the powers that be, mm-hmm. just in case you have to, you know what I'm saying? I understand that point of view as well. Yeah. But that's why, how do you take a hard stance on that? It's a lot of stuff like how do you take a hard stance and say, take them away from everybody or give them to everybody? You know, that's all game, though. That's that's what it is. That, that take them away from everybody, that's all game for yeah. them. Because that. 
that serves the powers that be better. Yeah, because now they're more armed. I mean, sure. now they have a even bigger advantage. Oh yeah. Now you don't even, you can't even protect yourself if we wanted to actually exactly. come in there. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm I'm not pro guns for everybody, but I'd rather it be for everybody than for just the government. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Last question, bro. What message do you want communicated at your eulogy? At my eulogy. Yes, sir. Um. Man, that's a deep one. It is. I kind of just want. I don't even want a eulogy though. I kind of mm. want a party. Okay. I think when I die, I don't want. I don't want. If, when I die, I don't want somebody up there speaking, and then people come up for two minutes. And I just want like a party. <laughs> like put my put my. I don't even want to. I, I don't want to be buried in like a casket. Word. But like put me in. A, I don't even have to be there. Everybody that loves me, <laughs> come to a room and just share stories about me. Yeah. Talk to people that you that also love me that you didn't know. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. Get that point of view because mm-hmm. that's that's where I got a, you know a point of view of mine from this person or I got a point of view of mine from this person or a revelation from this person. So maybe that will help. It's intermingle. Yeah, have a good conversation with people you don't normally you would normally talk to. Mm. And my funeral would be weird <laughs> because it'd be people from all kind of walks of life. Where you'll see like you know the most pro black people you ever met in there. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. straight up like white devils. I hate them. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And then you'll see. Like the most white bread doctor you ever seen in your life, there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then it'd be just a a big mix. You'll see some trans people there. You see some yeah. gay people there. You see some some uh, upstanding fathers. You'll see some deadbeat dads. Like <laughs> you gonna see everybody all that. gonna be there. They all yeah. gonna be in the building. Yeah, That's my whole life I just been talking to people and just understanding their point of view. That's a fact. You know, not a, I don't I don't think people intend to be bad. I think people get caught in situations where sometimes they do. They have to make a decision, and they make the wrong one, mm-hmm. or they make the wrong decisions reoccurrently. Mm-hmm. But no, nah, I'm not gonna like shun you. I'm still gonna talk yeah, to sure. you. I mean, so, I mean, the way society is set up, man, people are a lot of people are put in a trap. Yeah. Mainly black people, mainly or, black, maybe people, yeah, people of, color. of color, people of color. Poor, I was poor people too. Yeah, for sure, poor, yeah. which typically falls into people of color, like people that have been denied access right. to like all the wealth of the land that right. should have been spread out evenly or at least we should have been had reparations for all the you know harm that had been done to us like ain't, right. ain't nobody giving nobody nothing well, it's, it's like a basketball game right say you know this is how this is what happened to especially black america mm-hmm. especially after slavery you have you know you have uh you free you free people so you got a basketball game and it's the second quarter now mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and these people have been playing the whole time against nobody, and now they're up. Uh, they're up 150, and you got nothing. <laughs> in the second quarter, they say, "All right, you can get in the game, make something happen." Mm-hmm. And you get in the game, and you like, "I got to make up 150 points," <laughs> and I'm still playing against the people who just been scoring. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They warmed up. I'm getting mm. in the game cold, and now I got to make up 150 points. Mm. How you do that? But then when you see, you start to gain on them, and it looks like that 150 points is coming in. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then they take you back out the game somehow, somewhere they make a bill or they do something, and then they sit you back down and people can come back again. You know what I mean? They can score more. Mm-hmm. And I just that's the analogy I have for like when it comes to the system and when it comes to just poor people in general, people yeah. who don't have access to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it creates another divide because you tell white people that they're superior, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the, the rhetoric that, going, that, that goes around. Yeah. And they start believing that. Mm-hmm. But then they don't see it. So they get extra mad because, you know, now I've been told I'm superior, but I don't see these advantages that I have. And you keep telling me, like, we work at the same job. We make the same amount of money. What advantage do I have over you? 
Mm-hmm. And that's what they look at. You know, they look at you and, and say that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm supposed to be superior, but I don't see it. And then you, but you are. You have you have these privileges. You have these, and it causes a divide. Now you arguing with somebody, and both of y'all in the same damn position, and both of y'all is getting pretty much the same type of oppression. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, it just it creates that argument. Yeah. Against poor now, poor people arguing with poor people. Oh, that's what that's what that's I mean. But what that's that's wants. that's what it really comes down to. Doesn't in reality, in essence of the struggle of, you know, you talk about we can talk about white supremacy, but you just talk about the somebody dominating somebody else. Right. It's the rich against the poor. That's what it comes down that's to. That's what. It, yeah. There are white people that subscribe to uh, white supremacy that actually believe that because of their skin color, they are better. Now, in society, they are treated better, and they are they're not. They're not treated the same as people of color. You know, you get oh, yeah. pulled not, over. It's not in every situation. Yeah. But, like, you look at the math, you know, uh, when it comes to health care, comes to education, comes to whatever, like, the people of color are going to be towards the bottom and mm-hmm. less favorable outcomes, and the white people are going to have more favorable outcomes over time, aggregately. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah, it does help to have that white privilege. But at the end of the day, if you're poor, you're poor. Right. So your skin color ain't giving you that much of an advantage. So you need to stop being racist and stop uh, allowing these people to do these things. You need to be on the side of the other people that are like you that are trying to get what they deserve. So that's what happened. That's why they killed Fred Hampton. That's why they killed MLK. Yeah. Like once they started like poor people's campaigns and just like bringing other people that were equally marginalized, like Fred Hampton was bringing together not just black people, but like gangs all over Chicago, like right. white gangs, Latin gangs. You know what I mean? MLK, Poor People's Campaign, like everybody was coming to get what they needed. And then once you start galvanizing everybody against the powers, once they see you have an influence like that, like you're going to get taken out. Malcolm X too. You yeah. heard, I mean, if yeah. you listen to the Ballad of the Bullet, he is introducing people from all kind of religions and telling people, I we don't want religion in this at all. Yeah. Like you can believe what you want to believe. Right. Don't bring it here because this is about the advancement, you know, of, of us. Yeah. You know, this is about making, you know, and everybody is needed. Mm-hmm. Religion aside, yeah. we got to think economically. Right. You know what I mean? We got to think uh, systematically here. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and that was a beautiful thing about, you know, Malcolm, that that time. Because time MLK was, was also jumping on. I mean, everybody was starting to work together. Yeah. And then the government said, no, we got to kill all these niggas because <laughs> they for the stars. They really for the stars. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it comes to that point. Yeah. And you think about a corrupt system. We got Malcolm X killed by a black guy. At his own, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's his own event. Mm-hmm. You got killed by somebody. But I mean, that's the, a yeah. that's a part of, like, he was a he was operating for the government though. Right, the guy that killed him. Right. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. But that's yeah, that's because, like I said, corruption. Yeah. I can hey, I can make a pretty little, penny off of this little Manchurian candidates right. left and right, and that's why it remains to be seen. But I believe that. You know, old boy that killed Nip, you know. I mean, he was already on papers. He was already in old snitch. Right. You know, so it's like he's probably working with, he was working with them folks in some capacity. So when it comes to him killing Nip, I think that's from the higher up. Even, even the guy that got arrested for quote unquote being, like the dude that got shot, mm-hmm. got put back in jail or he's getting held because he had just got out of prison and it was like, you aren't supposed to, part of his parole is like, you aren't supposed to be around gang members. Yeah, that's supposed to associate with known gang members. Yeah. And they were painting the picture as if Nip was his partner, but 
Nip didn't really know him like that. He just heard, I was like, oh, you just got out of jail? All right, shoot, let me hook you up. But he didn't know. Nip like, man, I've been in jail for 20 years. When I was in jail, Nip was like a teenager. Right. I didn't know him like that. I didn't know him like right. that. Like, we from the same area. Like, same everybody area. know each other. But, right. But, but then, like, the, the actual officers told him, like, yo, we can't let you go because the higher up said so. So, like, there's involvement. So, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And then and then when old boy that killed Nip is being represented by the guy who prosecuted, prosecuted OJ, like, he don't got money like that. Right. So who are these Didn't people? Didn't he accuse himself? He, he recruited... He recruit, how he took himself that? out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He took himself out of the yeah. game. So he's no longer representing... I forgot his name. Eric something. Whatever his name Eric is. Holder was the dude who... Uh, yeah, he's no longer representing Eric Holder. But it's just like... And Nip was one of them people that had like the post of LA and all them gang members, bro. Right. Like, like you said, he snapped his finger. Like the crime rate could go up or go down. Right. <laughs> you know, like people that got influence... They want to, they want to like neutralize that, bro. Right, all the time. So. And you see how the one percent flexed, like right after that happened. When like, when Nip passed away, you know what I mean? Like he had LA, like this dude shut down L.A. for his funeral. Mm-hmm. Just think about how powerful you got to be to shut down L.A. Mm-hmm. for a funeral. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the procession is rolling through and the streets is blocked. Nobody can get through. He sold out the Staples Center, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, Notre Dame burns down. You know, a couple of days later. And in two days, they raise a billion dollars for a building. Mm-hmm. Just think about that flex. Mm-hmm. Think about how, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, all this, had, like, you can talk about all the amazing stuff that Nip was doing, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? The STEAM Center, the Science, Technology, oh, yeah. Engineering, Mathematics Center. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a whole, you know, complex that was just giving uh, uh, black entrepreneurs a way to start out their businesses. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To get into it. Like, you know what I'm saying? On a community level. And just to show, like, okay, but this building burned down. Watch how we get millions of dollars for that. Mm-hmm. But you have to work in your capacity to fix this problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? In your neighborhood. You know, when this building burned down in Paris, we could have easily did it. You see how we got a billion dollars in two days? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, hey, Flint don't got water. Mm. But now the hunchback ain't got no house. We got to fix that shit. Like, yeah, you know what I yeah. mean? Puerto like, Rico ain't had, you know, they yeah. live without Puerto Rico without don't have power. Yeah, yeah, no power. No, They can't even, yeah. At nighttime, they can't even see. Nobody want to go fund me for them. <laughs> but I didn't see a billion dollars get raised in two days for them. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's but wild. they flex on the stuff that they really like. Yeah, but this is art. Mm-hmm. This is art. This is our art. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's crazy. It's wild, bro. How do you how do you operate in that kind of how do we operate in that kind of environment and still think the world works in a moral way? Because it it can't. Oh yeah, it doesn't. The world is showing you. It's showing you day by yeah, day. Yeah, and so when when people talk about you know we just gotta love each other, we gotta love on them. You gotta love your enemies. I'm like, no man, stop. <laughs> just just stop it. You know that don't even work. Like you know it don't work. It don't. It, <laughs> it does has not. never worked. Right. <laughs> Tell me how it worked out for MLK. Tell me how it worked out for America. Right. Tell me how it worked out for anybody. Right. Nobody has loved their way to the top. No. And if if they was there, they wasn't there long. No, everybody who was like, at the top had an agenda. Yeah. And then every we, great dynasty that was created and if, was created. And if you was really making that change that was be- like for the betterment of the people, you were getting eliminated, bro. Immediately. So as soon were, as they had the opportunity, they would seize it. Yeah. And that yeah, that's the, or that's or that, the or that person got co opted and then they became a part of the system. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? If they couldn't if they couldn't bring you over, they couldn't entice you with that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That that power and that money. Mm-hmm. They just took you out. That's it. And it still happens to this day. To this day, bro. It happens on a smaller level just in regular business. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you have somebody who is uh, you know, they hire a CEO who was like, "Man, 
I really want to help the employees of this, you know, thing and try to implement programs that are like, all right, I'm going to help my employee. I'm going to help the employees. We're going to have bonuses now. We're going to do, bro, they will take them out so quick. Like you, you, you can't do that because now I'm not going to get my bonus. <laughs> hey, my couple million bonus now, because you're trying to give it to the people who actually do the work. You remember on the office when Michael Scott realized that, uh, they had a surplus. Did you see that? Do you watch the office? Like I that? watched the office. Yeah. <laughs> but when they had a surplus and Mike was like, and they were like, Michael, you don't have to give it to the employees. If you, you know, you can do X, Y, and Z and just keep that for yourself. Right. And then if you have a little bit left, then you'll get more next year. Yeah. And he was just like, well, and he told him he's going to give him a bonus and he changed his mind. He's like, well, you know, guys, uh, you know, <laughs> we don't really have to do all this. You know, you don't need new chairs, do you? Right. Come on. Guys. You know, he tried to change it, you know, flip the script after he found out he could profit from it. You right. Know? But like, it happens all the time. I can buy a new car with this, huh? No, right. we, we, don't, we don't need new coffee machines. <laughs> Nah. We good. We good. This all won't work. Just hit it a couple times on the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But, bro, I appreciate you sitting down with me, man. This is an amazing episode. Bro, I appreciate you letting me, man. No I, yeah, I love it. No doubt. I love man. Just chopping it up with you is amazing, man. No doubt, man. Yeah. So, uh, any last words for the people before you go, man? How they can get a hold of you on the socials and support you doing your comedy thing, bro? Um. Yeah, man. Just actually just support comedy in general, not mm. necessarily me. Word. Just go out and just hear hear other people because you get a definitely a different view from a, di- a lot of different people yeah. sometimes you go to these comedy clubs and they can get weird man <laughs> they get weird but you still get to see like how somebody else thinks you yeah. know what I mean I so haven't just... been to an open mic before bro so yeah, and open mics are free yeah. you get to go to free comedy man That's most open mics are just you know what I mean yeah yeah go check out local comedians local showcases a lot of the showcases are free too mm-hmm. um, a lot of people will just ask for like you know a tip at the end or like you know what I'm saying some kind of donation at the end. Sure. And you can give it, you know, five bucks, yeah. you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you get experience out of it. And it's a date night. It's a dope date night. Word. Another thing for you and your wife. Mm-hmm. Last night I went to a show called uh, Better Halves Laughs. Okay. At uh, Harvey's. And it's put on by Dirty Angel Entertainment. Okay. It's dope. They have a comedian come up, right? Mm-hmm. Comedian to do a set. Their partner come up. And then uh, uh, Hijinks and his wife, Courtney, they will interview the comic. Mm. And, uh... They interview uh, the comic and their partner mm-hmm. and see how closely that set was to their relationship. You know what I mean? It just starts fighting. Like, you know what I mean? A little, yeah. But it's a great, it's a great show, especially for couples. Yeah. Great show to go check out. Okay. Um, but, how often uh, they do that? Uh, this was only their second one. They're just getting okay. off the ground. Okay. So, but I, I'll keep you posted as for well. For sure. And uh, I'll definitely be posting stuff on IG yeah. and Twitter. And you can follow me at gwade too. Twitter um, and Instagram, mm-hmm. and then uh, G A Wade on Facebook. I'm not. I don't really get on there that much though. I know, Facebook is kind of. Yeah, it's, it's not for us no more. I don't think so. It's too. It's way too trendy. Yeah, it's too much going like, on. Like it's too. Yeah, it's too. It's too fake. Uh, too much fake concern. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I'm telling. Like I told Everybody, you, mamas and grandmas is on Facebook, so they it's just kind of like it's it's real old now. Yeah, yeah. And you got to Facebook is like it's kind of like uh it's kind of like the like. The government, you gotta kind of monitor what you say on Facebook. Twitter, mm. I think, feel like you can be a lot more open. For sure, you know, because it's only 140 characters. You yeah. can't really. Twitter's just fun. Say bro. too much. Yeah, it's just hilarious on Twitter. But you post something on Facebook, and then your grandma jump in, or yeah, your auntie that yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Louisiana jump in. <laughs> I can't ignore you. I gotta see you at the next family right. reunion. That's <laughs> but uh oh, and also got uh it's two shows coming up um at the Triple Nickel on the 22nd. Big laughs. Um, with Dirty Angel Entertainment again mm-hmm. um, on the 22nd at Triple Nickel is going to be great and then also on the 29th it's going to be another one it's uh, Young Guns so okay. it's, it's uh, a showcase of people who haven't been doing comedy for that long mm-hmm. like I think uh, it's like 
less than three years. Word. Um, and it's just showcased that 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 talent. And it's also at the triple nickel. And triple nickel, that's off Belmont and what, like thirty Belmont and six or thirty seven? I want yeah, about thirty I wanna say Belmont and thirty six. Something like that. It's a big yeah, sign. Right somewhere. on the corner, say yeah. triple nickel, yeah. You can't, you can't miss it. You can't miss it. All right, man. So once again, y'all, it's the Socks and Sandals podcast where society, culture, history, and religion collide. And you know, you know the rest. Grace and peace. Yeah.